Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Back for another week of the Fifth and Last NRL podcast. Make sure you jump on to our Facebook page, Fifth and Last NRL podcast, and on Twitter at Fifth and Last. That's the letter N, not the word end. Boxhead, back for another week. Uh, there wasn't much happening up until yesterday when Todd Greenberg has resigned, whether he was pushed, whether he quit, whether the writing was on the wall. That's what everyone's basically been speculating for the last week or so. Um, yeah, come quite abruptly. Yeah, we can argue whatever you want, but the fact of the matter is he was going. It was just a matter of when he went. Uh, it's been noted that he went on his terms. We'll, we'll never know that, whether he was pushed, whether he actually did go on his own terms, but we all know that he was going. Uh, I think it's probably... It seems like strange timing, but in a way it's probably good timing. It's done now. Todd can move on. The game can move on. But we can hopefully have someone appointed, at least in an interim perspective, um, which I think has already been done yeah. for the remainder of the year. So we've got some solidarity around people in key positions until the end of the year, it gives the game plenty of time to get itself back on its feet and to appoint the next CEO, hopefully heading into to next season. So I think it's probably a, a good thing for all parties. Uh, it, look, I, I don't think Todd Greenberg did a bad job. Uh, I heard some commentary today, and probably the best comment I heard was the fact that the fact that he didn't get along with the clubs means that he was doing his job. And I just found that out. I found that an interesting comment. And when I really stopped and, and had to think about whether that comment was relevant or not, I thought, well, it's, I think it's spot on. His job isn't to be liked by the clubs. His job is to do the best thing by the game. And when you look at the, the current financial predicament, no doubt that Todd's got to take some accountability for the position that the game finds itself in, but so do the clubs for the position that they're in. I don't think anyone's in a position to really be pointing the finger here uh, in terms of finances, there's no one within the game anywhere who is sitting on a pile of cash at the moment. So, you know, look, look, I think it was time because it was, it was quite clear it was becoming uh, untenable. He wasn't working well with, uh, you know, our business partners and our broadcast partners and it was just starting to have a, a negative effect on the game overall. So, look, I think it was for the better. But I think Todd Greenberg uh, did a fair job. Um, I wouldn't say he did a poor job. And it just seems like we really want to rush these guys out the door sometimes. And in hindsight, you will probably look back in two or three years and go, you know, he wasn't that bad, Todd Greenberg. Um, I always found him, uh, you know, via the media, whether it was at the Dogs or uh, or at the NRL, like, found him a decent kind of guy. Like, we've never met him, we've never spoken to him, but... Um, I certainly didn't think, you know, poorly of him at, at any stage. Uh, what about you? What do you make of all that? I think my biggest thing is probably more what you just said then. It seems like the last two weeks, everything's been blamed on Todd. But I go back to what we said the other week. 
as much as I talked about the finances early doors and obviously HQ probably got a bit fatter and did I think things are overinflated, etc. Yeah, he's got some accountability there, but everybody does. The game, the, the commission that oversaw everything, the time and the different people that were in charge of the commission, clearly we've got the right person in charge now and uh, that's, I think, a big reason why he's found the door. There was talk that when they first met they were going to work together and there was a possibility that he'd be extended under Volandis. Clearly, after working together for a little bit of time there, Volandis has probably seen otherwise. I'm not saying that's the exact reason he went, but anything you hear or anything that's leaked out the last couple of weeks is that every time there's been a spot fire, a problem with the clubs, a problem with the players, it's always been between Greenberg and said party, and the person who stepped in and solved all these issues has been Peter Volandis. So clearly, over the last few weeks, it's kind of come to a point where maybe he realised that this contract would be the end of things and maybe they did have a conversation. We don't know, like you said. I've come to the probably thought that that is possibly what happened and maybe you just said to him, it's maybe the time to go now. Uh, Who knows? But I think, like you said, he's probably done a fair job. He hasn't done a great job. Um, I think when he was at the Bulldogs, obviously, he seemed really well put together. I'm pretty sure going back a couple of years when he got that job, ourselves and most people probably endorsed him because the job he did do at the Bulldogs, I thought he was a pretty good operator when he was there. But, yeah, it's, I think it's been a hard week for him in particular. Just everyone seemed to have done a drive-by, particularly the Channel 9 comments. Most people directed that <laughs> all on him. He got drive smoked. By. And the next one was when Buzz and I think Fox and that wrote saying the other day that all the clubs and one picture of him and Des Hasler is to blame for all the clubs spending stupidly. And I looked at that and thought, well, to me, that's just a fucking stupid comment to say that because he was the first one to give a coach a million-dollar contract and an open checkbook, now the clubs have to follow, but we all know how this works. Like Melbourne with the wrestling getting the blame or this person getting the blame or a particular type of player or every fullback being a junior half turned into a fullback to be a ball player, when one club coughs, everyone sneezes. So if he decided to pay a coach that much and get more staff and extra assistants and physios and doctors, not everyone has to fucking follow it's been proven by a club like Cronulla under Shane Flanagan with a limited budget and uh, resources that you can still win a competition if you've got the right players, the right group and the right coaching. So I just thought that was a long bow to say that he kicked off the reason why the clubs went stupid with their spending in their football departments as well. Yeah. That's that's a very, very long reach to put that on one person. No, I agree. I agree with all that sentiment. I, you know, we're really not going to know. No. Nah. We're not. The ins and outs of all this, are we, for, for a little while? But um, but I won't back down from my original comments. I'm not an expert on the finances. I don't have the books. A lot of people have sent me numbers that mean absolutely nothing to me during the times. And again, a lot of the numbers aren't clear. But the one thing I will say is HQ definitely is too heavy. I still think there's way too many jobs for the boys and the game can be run a lot more streamlined than what it is. And the prime example, I know it's not the same. It's a different country. It's a different sport. It's a different league. But they talk about the Premier League, which is huge, massive TV dollars, massive academies, juniors, clubs, just all, all through their setups at club level. Their whole administration has less than 100 people running the English Premier League. Like, you know, you look at that and we've got 200 plus or whatever they said. And even the game development officers, I've got nothing against the development of the junior football in the game. But let's be frank, uh, there is some ex-players or there is some guys that are injured players or players that get employed in some of those jobs that are just taking the piss. Let's be let's be real. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of areas where there's money coming out of the game that are oversaturated or a bit fat, which are definitely going to be streamlined. This is the first person to go. This won't be the last person to go. I'm not going to lay the boot in exactly to the level of everyone else and blame him for every single bloody thing because everyone's responsible. Players put their hands out. 
clubs put their hands out, everyone overspent, and NRL definitely blew out the last few years. But again, part of that also goes back to the commission who direct the game and direct the CEO of the game is where they want things to be going. So everyone's got a piece of the blame in this situation. But uh, I think the positive thing is to come out of it. Every time, like I said, the last few weeks, one of these spot fires seems to have come up and the clubs or anyone's had an issue with Greenberg or Channel 9 or anyone, Valandi seems to have sorted things out. And again, today it was thrown up straight away. Maybe he should be the CEO. He's clearly said he doesn't want to be the CEO. He's the CEO of New South Wales Racing. He's doing a fantastic job there. He clearly likes that job and he likes being uh, the head of the commission or the chairman of the commission. So that's not going to be the case. But I think it's really important that the next person who goes there obviously fits in and works well with Peter Volandis for our future success because it looks like he's repaired whatever damage was done with Nine. Hugh Marks had very positive things to say about in the last couple of days. Channel Nine, we're not going to know about that meeting, but they seem right on board and they're going to try and figure out a short-term and long-term plan. Fox, I have no doubt, they're on board, as we said before. They've lost a lot of sports. I'm sure they're hurting right now uh, without the football and they're the biggest partner in the game. So I'm sure Patrick Delaney and Fox are on board, but... Yeah, it's really critical the next person obviously comes in and fits in with what Volandis is pushing. Spot on. Yeah, spot on. And look, that'll be part of the criteria. They'll, they'll get some time now to go through uh, due process. So I, I'd probably prefer it's not someone who's currently an NRL CEO. No, I was going to say one more thing, not to cut you off. I It can't be... Gus or Wayne Bennett or some of the people that people suggested, there's too much involved with the game now with finances and business and things that, no offence well, to Gus them. came out. Gus has already come out and said, like, I'm not qualified to do that job. No, nah, there's way too much to it. It's not just rugby league. If you want someone like that coming into head office, which I don't have a problem with if they streamline it, it's a fo- mm. it's a football-related job. He it's, could be a football manager. That's, like, that's a different uh, role. The, the, yeah, the GM of football or whatever. Yes. That's what football operations or whatever they were calling Todd Greenberg's role initially. Yes, so that, that I... That, that job. Did, that, did that job ever get backfilled once Greenberg uh, moved up? I, who knows? There's a lot of things that have changed that, that I don't know Is that what Manersley was doing? I, I, don't, I don't know. I thought he's refereeing and something else and that all got mixed in, but yeah, the, the talk today, the main candidates, they reckon the interim CEO who's been appointed now, Andrew Abdo, uh, is well-liked and is somebody... Yeah, you get, you get the feeling like he's probably on a trial run here, don't you? Like, if he does a good job, if he works in, if he does the right thing, they're not going to really look to change it, are they? Like, if it's if it's working and he's doing a good job, they're, they're probably not going to change it. Nah, there was a bloke mentioned who I can't remember the name, but he was mentioned when Todd got the job. I think he was the manager of Acor Hotels. I just recalled that because they brought him up. The club guys, like you were talking about, Blake Solly from South was thrown up. Paul White, who's departing the Broncos at some stage, was thrown up, and from Melbourne, uh, Dave Donaghy, our current. Boss, so. Yeah, apparently, like I heard last night that um, Blake Solly had already yeah, knocked that, it on the head. They reckon that was for political kind of front to say that out loud, but behind closed doors, who knows? But oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I don't really like the idea of people coming from clubs a bit like he did. Green, Greenberg obviously had some tests early on because there were some issues with Ben Barber and that when he got involved in leading the game, but I don't really like it when people go straight from club to a job like that. I, I I don't see there'd be a problem or a bias, mind you, with the board that's in now and someone like Valandi's above it all. But if Abdo is the right man for the job or there's someone external who's a good operator, I'd much prefer that than taking someone from club land. Um, Out of those candidates, do we know? Again, no. No one has a fucking clue. No average Joe is going to be able to claim that they know anything about Paul White 
anything about Blake Solly or even myself as a Melbourne person saying anything about Dave Donaghy. I know one thing, uh, all three of those clubs have been pretty well run and successful over a long period of time. I think Solly's only been there for a short term from memory. I don't think he's been at South for that long. Donaghy's been at Melbourne for a while now, I think, or at least since that new group took over with Bart Campbell, Matt Tripp, etc. And Paul White, I guess the last few years there's been some things said, I guess, with Wayne Bennett and the club and their success and bits and pieces off the field. So I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'd really rather it not come from the club currently. Yeah. But, yeah, interesting to see what happens. Abdo's in there now. Valenti's in there now. Uh, a lot more positives. Like we said, the TV situation, we found out the other day, the nine talks went good. He reaffirmed that. The talks with Foxtel, them... They look positive. The big thing, there's not much that's coming out of it. There's not a whole lot to talk about. About the only things we do know, they're talking now more positively about playing more games, possibly up to 20 games. Um, so I don't know if that's 20 more or 20 total. If so, we'd have 18 more rounds left. Origin, is it still at the end? It is in the middle. A lot of people are saying now it should be in the middle. I still don't like that idea. I still like the idea of the one game versus everybody in Origin at the end. But then again, I'm not going to complain if we have more rounds. The more football, the better. Um, the big thing, I guess, going into those meetings, they were talking that Nine wanted to can the simulcast and wanted more exclusivity. I just find that hard without knowing anything. Just if I'm the minority shareholder, whether this relationship needs to be repaired or not, if you're Fox and you're paying 185, $190 million a year and Nine's tipping in 35% or 30%, whatever it is, my mass isn't great at $100 million, I'm not keen to give away the exclusive rights I've got if I'm paying the majority share of the bill. I don't see why the broadcast deal would change apart from the money. With the amount the of product, games, etc. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, yeah. So the product is obviously worth less than what it was at the start of the year. And the deal has been broken, not through any fault of anyone. No, it's an act of um, gold clause, a lot of people call it. This is something you can't so predict. I just believe that they should renegotiate the contract for this year. And then next year we just start because the game will be as it was, hopefully, and we just move on with the broadcast deal from there. I only think we need to renegotiate uh, under these special circumstances. Once we've nutted that out uh, and and we work out what the finances are and work out what everyone's happy to pay, um, you know, from there we can just move forward for the season. And then I, I would think that the broadcast deal, which was in place... Uh, for the last two years, this year, and then again next year, would just automatically be up and running again next year. The only the only way that that would not happen is if one of the broadcasters pulled out or we had a club fold, and then obviously there'd be changes to the competition structure, which would dictate that the deal would need to be renegotiated and thrown in the bin. Uh, look, if, if I was... Um, if I was the NRL, I'd, I'd be really confident here about the television numbers that we're going to get. And I, I would try and um, maybe maybe put some uh, clauses in this contract that if we hit a certain amount of, uh, of viewers that we get more money. And, you know, that'll, that'll hopefully incentivise, um, you know, the broadcasters to sign on uh, with those clauses in there. Because obviously if, if there's a huge audience... The broadcasters are going to get big money for advertisers. Therefore, they're going to be able to pay more money. I, I, don't, I find it really difficult to know 
how everyone sitting around a table is going to know what the game's worth at the moment when we've never been through this situation before. So, yeah, if, if I was NRL, I'd be trying to say, look, you know, if we get over this many viewers, we want this much money. If it's under that many viewers, we want this much money mm. per game. I think um, the only issue that kind of everyone's having... The landscape's changed since we've done the TV deal. Things have obviously changed now in this situation. Nine's initial arguments kind of were that, you know, advertisers aren't spending as much money, so things aren't as valuable in general because we're not getting money in, and I think they're finding... Yeah, but again, we're talking about five weeks' time. Like, the, the, the worst of this seems to, to be over, you know, touch wood, and hopefully that's the case. There's only 1,800 active cases at the moment. Of the 6,000, um, 6,500 that have had it, uh, four and a half thousand have already recovered, or well, four thousand seven hundred have recovered. The infection rate is right down, so it all, it all looks positive. I think in five weeks' time, it'll be there'll be more incentive for advertisers to want to uh, advertise and get their products out into the public eye and trying to get stimulate business and get things back up and running. So, look, I think at the moment, if they were trying to advertise, of course, th- there's no point. But in five, six, seven weeks, when we start to see the upswing, I tend to believe that it's going to be the, have the opposite effect. I think advertisers are going to be trying to have a, to get their products out there and, and try and build their business back up. That's just my personal belief. Yeah, well, I, I don't run a business, but I... Think I at the moment, we're, we're thinking too much about right now, and that was my argument two weeks ago. You know, like, people are jumping up and down saying, how are you ever going to get the game going? And, you know, it's ridiculous and... You know, you're not going to be able to get over the border and New Zealand aren't going to be able to come over and the game's ruined and the whole fucking world's falling in. I, again, I don't buy it. I, we've got to look at... We've got to look ahead, not backwards, not about what's happening right now. Let's let's project forward and think about, right, what's going to happen when the game gets back on the field? Firstly, there's going to be so many rugby league fans that are excited. There's going to be so many eyeballs on these, on these games. There's obviously going to be more because there's no crowds. There's going to be more because we've got a high percentage of people just staying home and looking for something to watch. And then on, on the back end of that, you're then going to, there's going to be a period of time, you know, whether it's round one, whether it's round ten, there's going to be a time when businesses swing up and they, they're going to be looking to advertise. So I think it would be, be foolish of the NRL to miss the opportunity to, to make some money out of the broadcast deal when that does happen. So I'd have some triggers in there. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think one thing I also found interesting the other day, and again, I'm no expert on it, TV and TV ratings, but people were saying that part of their also their initial argument was the ratings weren't that much higher. But apparently, the ratings are only based off the four or five big metro markets. So I was sitting there going, "Well, is that not including country New South Wales and regional Queensland and areas where it'd be predominantly rugby league?" people or people watching games like are they not included are we only looking at major sydney or major melbourne or major brisbane or queensland like that i don't know how it works so i can't really well, go into I have, I have absolutely no idea mate i don't know how it works but i read some tv Sorry. people arguing about it again not the most reliable thing on twitter but i just looked at it and thought well that's an interesting point if that's true if you work in that industry to say that it's based off the five big metro markets or four big markets i thought if that leaves out country and regional new south wales in a particular country and regional Queensland ratings as a whole, I'm sure there's a shitload more eyes we don't account for in areas that would love the Cowboys or the Broncos or certain teams or parts of the game that we're just, yeah. But 
for businesses, I was going to say, two of our biggest sponsors generally across the game, I highly doubt they're affected right now, is betting and alcohol. Whether you like it or not, the PC brigade get the shits about it all the time, but a lot of our clubs, a lot of our TV dollar, a lot of our revenue does come from sports bet and betting agencies and Bundy and all these different companies and well, KFC. Don't, don't tell me that the betting agencies don't have more money at the moment. People are betting more at the moment. Mate, I'm betting more and I'm drinking more because I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> there were numbers that came out last night. I think there's about a 40% increase in people gambling online. So what they've was... got more money than what they had previously. And I'll tell you what's also going up. They're not going to be struggling to... Uh, they're not going to be struggling to uh, to pay for advertising. I'll tell you what's also gone up 40%. My KFC bill. Oh, yeah. The Colonel, he's on He's on Fox. i tell you what, the Colonel's getting his money's worth out of me right now. Super. I'm contributing to society, don't you worry. Excellent. Yeah, well, all that stuff again. It'll play out in the future, but there's another meeting apparently this week. Anyone who claims to have a whole lot of information is kidding themselves because they've kept it airtight for the first time in a long time, which is nice, but Volandi's... Uh, nine, Hugh Marks and Patrick Delaney from Foxtel are going to talk things through, try to get more of a schedule, how things are going to work. Probably the only thing we've heard today, they're looking at possibly kicking things back off with Rugby League across five days, like we spoke about the other week, to cover a bit yeah, more of a week and set up some clashes, Roosters, Rabbitohs and a couple of Sydney derbies. That'd be good. Um, yeah, absolutely. Any way to, to put more eyeballs on the, on the game. It's got to be a positive. Yeah, and we're basically, like you said, just under six weeks now. The infection rate's at 0.2. Hopefully, things continue to improve. New South Wales is all good to go. For the most part, they seem to have ticked all the boxes. Another big box that was ticked was the New Zealand government giving an exemption to get the Warriors back over here. That's been sort of out. They're talking about them going to Lennox Head. There's a facility there that's got pools, gyms, courts, fields. Um, they can isolate there, do their two weeks, probably base themselves there, I guess, if they need to. The only real unknown uh, is probably what we talked about last week, your Brisbane's, your Cowboys, and Melbourne. Melbourne have already basically got a plan in place that if they can't operate in Melbourne or across the borders and fly or whatnot, that they'd probably set up in Lavington or somewhere around there and try and operate outside of there. Uh, Paul Green spoke during the week. The Cowboys seem like they'll roll with whatever plan. Um, and obviously Brisbane... You're hearing different bits and pieces and someone like a Darius Boyd who doesn't seem that keen to come if he have to come here for four months. But again, uh, their state premier has obviously caused a bit of a stir saying she wouldn't have origin at all this year if it's not going to be in Queensland and no one's going across the border, etc. Things could change again with the time we've got left here as far as restrictions or even let them charter a private plane. That, that part still blows my fucking mind that we were doing that initially and how are they going to be harming anyone even if they did do that in and out? Like, they're going to be training, getting on a private plane and a private hangar, on a bus, driven to the door of the stadium, coming back, like, how the fuck is that such a big deal? Um, that, you know, she's pissed off a lot of people this week, it seems, and I'm not a Queensland resident, but I highly doubt a lot of Queenslanders are a big fan of their Premier saying that she wouldn't make exemptions for that or wouldn't want a state of origin game, even if it was in an empty stadium at Suncourt this year. Uh, I don't have a lot nice to say about young Anastasia. Yeah, well, again, we've got a lot of Queensland listeners. Like, let, us, let us know how you feel about it. I'm sure you wouldn't want to hear your Premier basically doing the opposite of what New South Wales seems to be doing with Barilaro and all these kind of people and the police commissioner. They seem all for it, but Palaszczuk's been staunch and I don't know whether she's just, you know, doing it for the sake of it or trying to big note herself or whatever she's doing. And I know a lot of people, again, are going, oh, 
the NRL is not better than anyone in society. No, they're not. But they're trying to get things going. If they can do it safely like any other business, well, like we've said a million times before, why not? Mm. I, I, I just don't understand it. I, again, you're making comment regarding something that is well down the road and we're dealing with something that is changing every day. I understand she was asked a question. And if her answer was pertaining to the immediate future, then I would agree. There's no way that, you know, teams right now are going to be able to travel across the border and play, so that's why we're not playing. However, in five weeks' time, when the game kicks off again, and, you know, in 10, 15, 20 weeks' time, whenever State of Origin is, we're going to be in a completely different position than what we are now. Uh, So I just... I find her comments... Premature. How do, I, how do I put this? Premature, yeah, but I find them irrelevant. Uh, they're just irrelevant because she. There, there was a comment there around medical protocol. You know what? How have they got approval? Um, medical approval to resume? And I thought, well, if you really, really want to go over everything with a fine tooth, like fine tooth comb. You know, like last week we were talking about what's essential and what's not essential. Where, what's the criteria for that? What's the criteria for medical protocol? What medical protocols need to be put in place? Rugby league is a workplace. I heard Brad Arthur talking last night. I thought he was superb in his articulation of how little interaction that players had when they travelled to play the Gold Coast in round two. He said they drove to Bankstown Airport, the players drove, they got out of their car into a plane. They got off a plane, there was a bus there waiting for them. They got on in the side door, didn't go anywhere within two seats of the bus driver. They got off, the Gold Coast Titans had them set up a private room, they went down to the sheds, got dressed, played the game, same again. Got changed, up into the private room, had a feed, on the same bus, back to the airport, private plane back, landed at Bankstown in the car. They did not come into contact with anyone. So to suggest that there's got to be some sort of medical protocol, the medical protocol is there. The blueprint is there. So the, the comments are moronic. Uh, and, she, you know, she's the Premier of, uh, of Queensland who are arguably the most rugby league mad state uh, in the country. And Especially the origin comments, though. Like, not just trying to sound like a fucking belligerent ex-football meathead, but... Of all the places to say, you know, like just full stop, blunt no, basically, we shouldn't have a game. And if it can't happen here, we shouldn't have origin at all. If you think. It's inaccurate. What, what she's saying is inaccurate. It was just, it was just poor um, and ill informed. And it was almost like she just had to come up with a statement or some sort of comment and, you know, wanted to grandstand a little. Uh, but I. I, I, I almost guarantee that that stance will change in the next two months uh, and you know she might not even be around to see the Origin uh, series as Premier because I think there's an election in Queensland in October and I, I mean the contradictive nature of this and the fact that she demanded that people went out and vote in person a month ago when coronavirus was at its absolute height she demanded that the Queensland public go out and vote yeah. So, I mean, how contradictory is that? And you're talking about rugby league teams travelling on private jets like rock stars that are having zero contact with anyone. 
So let's not talk about medical protocols and the fact that you care about the welfare of, you know, even the people within your state. It's just, it's borderline clown behaviour. And on that, obviously, like I said, they're probably the biggest ones that have got to be sorted out now. Melbourne seem to have a plan in place. The Warriors do. Broncos, Cowboys, hopefully, uh, both seem keen to maybe still be based where they are and fly down and charter. If things keep going the way they are, maybe that happens in the next few weeks. Fingers crossed that is the case because there only seems to be a couple of players that have a hesitation, I guess, to base themselves here. A lot of guys seem keen because they realise what we've said before, this may be the only way they get paid play football and I'm sure after being in isolation for up to a month or not playing plenty of guys would be keen as mustard to get back so uh, you know Darius Boyd was one that a lot of people got angry about or came out about and we spoke about it before we come on here you know it's it's any player's choice whether they're keen to come or not if the, if the circumstances or the situation is that they do have to be based here for four months if he's not up for that um, that's totally his choice but understand I guess the big part which I'm sure all of them will understand you won't be paid, pretty plain and simple. Um, you know, if, if it's if it's a mental health thing or you're going to struggle to be away from your family, like all those things are completely reasonable and completely acceptable. But the big thing, like you said at the end of the day, is basically if, if you're not going to be there and going through these times right now, if you're not playing, you can't get paid. And I guess on the flip side, it's easier to say in his situation than a younger bloke. He's played 300-plus games. He's won a couple of comps, Origins, Australia. He's in a much different situation to a lot of people. So, again... Uh, a, a few media personalities were quite enraged by the comments and took it more to the sense of there's people out in society that are doing a lot worse, which 100% they are. But at the end of the day, if you're not comfortable with the situation or even a younger bloke, if he's got a kid and he's not making that much money, if he feels guilty or he's missing home, you can't begrudge some of them if they can't deal with the circumstances. But for the, the vast majority, I'm sure regardless of how the season gets up and going, if it has to be done that way, I'm sure 95 or more percent will push through or will find a way to play. Exactly. Spot on. But I guess at the moment, like we said, even we're sitting here trying to come up with content, or not really, we're talking about what's going on, but, you know. I, I really don't think we're struggling for content. Nah, paper, medias, a lot of people seem to be bringing up absolutely any bloody thing they can to fill time during the day today. I sent an article today bringing up Melbourne, the 10-year anniversary of Melbourne getting done for salary cap. I thought, great, here's a day just to rile everyone up and Bash the storm again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good times. Let's bring up a massive negative. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, much. Uh, what do you do? Positives. And I guess on the back foot of this, we're seeing the AFL now. Probably not as soon, but they're talking about coming back as early as June, possibly July. Talking that if they have to, they'll set up a bit of a hub uh, in any states they can, possibly playing Tasmania, WA, SA. I haven't paid as much close attention to that, but you know, we're not the only sport. Everyone needs to get back going at some point. Dana White, UFC, was going to have fights on a fucking Indian reserve and then possibly fight Ireland until ESPN and Disney broadcasters basically pulled the reins in on him because they're owned by a big separate company right now. But don't make any mistake about it. If the UFC was still independently owned by Zufa and the Fatita brothers and just Dana White, I guarantee you those fights would have happened on a private island or the Indian reserve. That would have happened for sure. MLB, the Major League Baseball, they're looking because their sport is obviously a bit more spread out and doesn't have physical contact at isolating at two or three stadiums in a particular area. The NBA has talked about using LA because there's two teams, two private facilities, and their training arenas to have games. Like everyone seems to be trying to find a way to get back into action. Spot on. So, yeah. It's, uh, um, 
like, like in the predicament over there is a lot worse. Oh, 100%. Infection rate's high and a lot of people are dying. So, I, again, I just applaud the NRL. I keep grinding away. Let's try and uh, hit that date in May. And we're going to be one of the first sports globally to get back on, on the air and, and get our game going. Hopefully we can secure some deals with some overseas uh, broadcasters to try and spread the wings of our game. It's I don't think we're ever going to get an opportunity. And I said this, uh, I think, a fortnight ago on the, on the podcast. I don't think we're ever going to get a, an opportunity to spread our game and have eyes on our game because no one else has got anything to watch. So, you know, when people spoil for choice, they're going to they're stick to their niche. They're going to stick to the things that they like. Right at this point in time, there's nothing else on. Uh, and you know that that appetite, every day with no sport, that appetite grows. Uh, I think what Dana White was trying to do was spot on. Yeah. Like a, he would have, he could have charged people a dollar to watch paper, like watch the fights pay per view, and he would have made billions and billions of dollars because people would have just, you know, me and you would have paid for it. I would have paid twenty bucks for it. Oh, I'm thirty bucks for it. I'm sure they still would have probably charged top dollar because they're not getting well, ticket you, revenue. But but the point is, like, you could have charged a dollar, and he would have had. Billions of viewers. Yeah, and billions even, of viewers. Even if and you would have had a lot of people who aren't UFC fans, but oh. because they're sports fans and they're just craving something to a watch. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. I would have. So I, I think it's an opportunity. We need to again shift our mindset. We're we're so. And I understand we're in a we're at a time at the moment where things are, are tough. Okay, but our mindset has got to get out of the doldrums and looking at the negative of everything. This we have to treat this as an opportunity. We have to try and get on before AFL. It looks like we're going to do that. We need to try and get on before any other sport in Australia, first and foremostly. Okay? And it looks like we're going to achieve that. That means we're then going to get eyeballs on us that we wouldn't normally have on us as a game. Okay? That's going to increase our potential to, to have more fans come into the game, which therefore means ticket sales and merchandise and broadcast rights become more valuable because you've got more eyes and you're selling more things, except like there's just more revenue in the game, okay? So that that's an opportunity. And then you look from a global perspective, you know, even you're rusted on rugby fans in England and Europe, like, of course they're going to watch rugby league. Oh, if, if you right said now. to me that the Super 15 was going to come on next week, I'd watch okay, it. I, I'd watch it. And I wouldn't normally watch rugby in it if I had a choice. The, the fact of the matter is we're, we're dealing in a market at the moment where there's limited choice. Supply and demand, okay? There's a lot of demand, not a lot of supply. So that, that's, that's simple economics, simple business. So uh, the NRL's got to treat this like a, a huge opportunity. And however long that little space of time that we get between us starting and, you know, the NBA and the, we know the NFL is going to kick off in, um, you know, it's usually early August is the preseason. You know, hockey and baseball, again, they're still probably a month or two away. It, it's a significant opportunity for us, I believe, globally. Well, the big thing... Uh, and, you, know, you know, do I think that we're going to become the next NBA or the next no. EPL? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. However, I do believe that we can increase the profile of our sport and our competition on a global, um, on a global stage. I'm not saying that we're going to ever compete with them. No. However we may be able to get more eyeballs on us than we normally would. We may be able to globalise our game a little bit. I think it's there's only positives to come with this. And you know yourself. You've been to the US. I went 
luckily before all this blew out, attended NFL, NBA games, there'd be no one going as mad right now because they're so spoiled. When you... They are crazy, man, but they don't watch rugby league because they don't have to watch rugby no, league. No, exactly. Right now, though. They've and... got hockey, NFL, basketball, the sport, baseball, UFC, boxing. All the It's all on wall to wall every yeah. night. They and don't have to even look at Right now, they've league. got none of it. So if we can get on. Correct. I saw the AFL get some tweets and some bits and pieces that were popping up because of their yeah, relationship with the uh, ESPN. Like, whatever we have to do there, even if it's for a couple of weeks, any exposure is good exposure for the game of rugby league. Yeah. It's a real positive. But plenty of other sports are trying right now. And uh, you mentioned US and overseas and bits and pieces. Another thing that came in line with that TV deal and the current situation was apparently Volandis and RLC have secured some loans to get a bit of security if need be in this time from a London firm, Oakwell Sports Advisory. Uh, it's just a bit of a buffer. A lot of people said it gave them a bit of bargaining power with nine, but it seems at the end of the day, uh, regardless, it's just a bit of a safeguard there and they've put future funds up against that if they need to spend any money, depending if they have to you know, relocate people, pay for the Warriors, Broncos, Cowboys, Melbourne, etc. depending on how everything pans out. But uh, I guess on the flip side, there's also been some mail that they're got to talk next week not only about that but there's a US investment company called Park Lane who has a proposal as well to offer money but they're also been involved in helping investors buy franchises and facilitate deals in the US and other things so anything like that even again we talked about it before about private investment whether it be into games or people looking to own clubs anything like that and private ownership seems to be the model like we've said a few years ago that seems a lot more sustainable so the NRL is not having to float teams or chip to in like we look at the situation right now the privately run clubs are the ones that are probably more stable than anybody yeah so anyone that's interested or solid and again I'm not going to big note or make out like I have a clue but you want to talk about money it'd be absolute fucking chump change to buy an NRL team for someone in the US compared to what you pay for some franchises over there correct so if someone over there is interested in buying in um, or you know if there's an investment firm or someone that feels they can break even or make a dollar or do whatever. Anything like that is positive for rugby league. Yeah. But that buffer is very, very handy for us to have at this point in time. So, again, another yeah. tick. Another tick to the game and the things that they're doing. Um, I don't have a whole lot else here, to be honest. There's been a lot of people talking about, like I said, TV deals and whatnot. No one's going to know anything about that until that meeting. Uh, you know, set up with a comp again. We don't know. There's been many things thrown out. 14 weeks, origin, middle, origin, end, 20 rounds, possibly playing the full card. There's too many unknowns. There's no use fucking talking about it without any clarification. Hopefully, you know, if things keep progressing, they are. Next week, we'll have a better idea of what they're looking at. The only real carrot they've dangled in front of us, which came out the last 24 hours, was the possibility of five-day spread of rugby league and kicking off, obviously, with that the first week if it comes back that way, which would be awesome. Yeah, exactly. It'd be fantastic. But, yeah, we've moved on from the Greenberg thing, Abdo in line, a couple other options again. That'll sort itself out. Infection rate keeps going down. Hopefully the Queensland situation changes and Palaszczuk or whatever her name is changes her tone. But a lot of things are looking pretty positive right now. Clubs, with things going the way they are, hopefully get back May 4th, May 5th, they were talking to start training. Um, if everything works out in the next couple of weeks and we can start heading towards what we want, which is sport back on. Correct. Um, some other little bits, I guess, just some small stuff to go through. I don't want to spend too long on this. There's talk about players coming back or buying him in or learning from the season again. To me, this is more just a media beat-up. Like, 
in the current climate with the restrictions of travel, whether you're an Australian citizen, you're allowed to fly back or not for a James Maloney or a Sonny Bill for temporary situation, these kind of guys, like, we don't even know what our fucking salary cap is, so I don't know why a lot of people are even talking about this stuff. The only, the only real realistic options that people that are here right now are available, not overseas, not restricted, like, you know, not only the problem with that, but clubs wanting to loan out a player they pay. Like, do you think Toronto, who just invested $10 million even in this situation, would consider letting Sonny Bill come back here? There's no fucking way. No. And the other, you know, problem is getting back there. If he comes back here, can he go back? Or same for Maloney the other day. The, the only real possibilities are guys that are in Australia currently or that don't have a deal. So a Jordan Rapana is a real option because he's here and the rugby union doesn't start for a while. Ben Teo is apparently back here living in Brisbane, so that's a possibility, and he's been linked to the Broncos. Uh, and the other one's Quade Cooper has been thrown up, but I just think that's not worthwhile. Why would you bring in someone from a different game that's played off the back foot, who can't tackle, hasn't played rugby league? Like, there's, there's too many things there where I just look at it and go, why would you roll the dice on that unless you're absolutely desperate? Or, you know, just looking for some depth and even when I thought about it that way like why he, he I don't know how old he, he's 32 33 there's no reason for me to sign Quade Cooper now as a half no no I, I wouldn't be going there look for some of those clubs that are in the bottom four who could roll the dice for a year and, and have a look I get it yeah but for the teams at the top who are pretty well set in those positions I don't think that they'll be looking at that option. No, nah, but I dare say again, he's still Would signed. Would I like to see it? Would I like, I'd love to see oh, it. I'd love to see it, but I just look at it and go, even if I'm a bottom club, like he's still signed to a Japanese rugby club. He's going to leave. It's more filling in the time. You pay him a little bit. If it all worked out, he's not going to stay. He's still going to make a shitload more going to play Japanese rugby. He's at the back end, and as dangerous as he looked in rugby union at his peak with the ball, the big gripe on him is defending, and I'm... I'm think pretty obviously you're a lot more exposed in rugby league defensively than what you are in rugby union hmm. if you're a poor defender that's not something that you just change that's that's a fucking habit you've got permanently most of the time and uh, at this point in time on the ball yeah sure but I would have liked to have seen him earlier um, but I just don't think it makes any sense from even a bottom four club if it's going to be for a couple of months and then he's gone again no, just doesn't make sense but Ben Tower to the Broncos certainly be helpful for them if they can get him on board uh, Rapana, there's plenty of clubs that could use a quality outside back. One I'm thinking of that won't make a lot of people happy because they'll bring up the salary cap, the Roosters. They lost Luttrell. They lost Billy Smith. He got injured. I know they've got Josh Morris coming over. I don't know what their salary cap situation looks like, but if Luttrell goes out the door on decent coin, Smith's ruled out for the year and you can get some kind of financial exemption. If Rapana's looking to play anywhere or any time, if Canberra couldn't fit him back in with their back line or didn't have room for him. If I'm someone like the Roosters and I can find any money, I'm looking at Jordan Rapana. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. He's proven within rugby league. So. And he only just left. Like, it's, yeah, exactly. It's a recent move. So for them, you'd have a possibility there where you'd not only have Josh Morris come over, who wouldn't be on a great amount at this point in his career, to cover centre, but instead of having to play in Orbison or move somebody else, you've got another option for the other wing spot as well. You've got Tupo. If you're not happy with Hall or you're not happy with your other options, Ikevalu or whoever you've got playing, you bring in someone like Rapana, I'm pretty sure you'd be happy straight away to play him there or even push Brett into the other centre spot if they weren't happy with both uh, the centre situations or if Manu had an injury. But, yeah, I think that's one to consider. If I'm Canberra for the right price, 100% I'd bring him back. Yeah, It's just a consideration for them now, I guess, because they negotiated last year and they couldn't come up with a deal. 
and he left, would he play right now with Kotrick in the side and Curtis Scott and Croker, Bailey Simonson? I'm not 100% sure, but again, from a depth perspective, given the situation this year, no New South Wales Cup and no football for those younger guys like a Harley Smith Shields or a Tomoko who would have been pushing for a spot. If you have a veteran like that there ready to go, you'd have a lot more trust or faith that you can plug him in when you need him. Exactly right. So, uh, Callum Watkins leaving the Titans uh, situation. Obviously, older parents being away from home. You can completely understand uh, with everything that's going on right now. Brock Callum Watkins going back. Not, not the greatest. Well, his, stint. Dad, his dad was diagnosed with coronavirus, I believe. Yeah. So totally, totally understand it. Um, Look, great player. Uh, came here at the wrong time. Well, he was he was a great player in his prime. He came at the wrong time, and no, like yeah. I said, I said it to you. It's not a knock on the Titans, but he couldn't have come to a worse situation at this point with his injury and at this stage of his career. If if he was to come to a more established club like Hall, with the Roosters after an ACL or whatever, you probably would have seen maybe a little bit more from him. But at the same time, again, it's another guy that came too late. He needed to come three or four years prior. <laughs> so he's. Moved on. Uh, there was some talk about Frizzell leaving early to go to Newcastle. Again, given the way things are going this year, I highly doubt that would play out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's been a lot, of, lot, a lot of talk again about the Dragons. The Dragons seem to be one that constantly flare up. Talk about Wayne Bennett, Mary McGregor being on, you know, shaky ground, even though we haven't even had games the last four weeks. The poor bastard, he just cops it constantly. Um, yeah. We've said it before about Flanagan probably being the next man in line if something did go wrong, but given the way things are panning out this year, I don't know if they would move on from McGregor. I think they'd probably just roll again next year and then if things didn't work out or probably won't work out or even if they are looking there, I think Flanagan's probably more than likely sitting there waiting for that job. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the uh, only other yeah, kind of points. It raised eyebrows when he was appointed, didn't it? Yeah, and there was talk. Uh, that's, that's always a difficult position. Yeah. When your position's under pressure and they bring in someone who's won a competition probably got more runs on the board than what McGregor has um, McGregor has to win yeah playing <laughs> simple you know and he probably had to win regardless of whether they bought Flanagan in anyway and a lot of the Dragon supporters who listen to our show and are, are mad fans of, of the club uh, are growing increasingly frustrated with the performances of the team and well the underperformances of the team um despite the fact they've got multiple origin players and a pretty decent roster. Uh, paid big money for Ben Hunt and Corey Norman. and You know, I've got some uh, quality forwards in their pack. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a time where McGregor has to win and all this talk will go away. If it doesn't, he's going to get moved on and, you know, who takes his position? It could be, Flan- it's probably more than likely Flanagan, but... It would be interested to, uh, interesting to see what would happen if Bennett threw his hat back in the ring, whether they'd, they'd go with Shane Flanagan or whether they'd return to the man who last won them a premiership in 2010 in Wayne Bennett. I, just, I look at it now. I don't think it's in the same situation as when Bennett came in the first time. I just don't think he has the time to come in, sit there for you know two, three years, and I just don't understand why you would. If I'm looking at a long-term plan right now or anything... I wouldn't say I want to waste next year or burn next year, but I don't want Wayne Bennett just for 12 months. If he's coming in, I'm sure he'd want to be there for longer, which in turn would probably cost you someone like Shane Flanagan. And whether you think highly of the character of Shane Flanagan for the suspensions and what's happened in the past, the fact of the matter is that in rugby league, much like a lot of players, 
if you're good at what you do, you keep getting jobs. Um, he proved at the Sharks, again, under-resourced, undermanned, lack of money, lack of funds, that he just kept finding a way. They were successful. Yeah. They've built up a great junior base when they had fuck all juniors. Um, he did a great job. They won a comp. They were a tough side. So I, I, I sit there and think, again, more for the long-term side of things, if I'm a Dragons fan or I'm the Dragons, um, I'm probably just dealing with the situation I've got right now, trying to sort out the roster, trying to make some moves, which is difficult right now, and probably not so much in this year's market. I had a look the other day because people were talking about if Frizzell's going and Graham gets retired and the balance situation doesn't work out, they're going to have plenty of free money. But the one thing you don't want to do is just spend it for the sake of it. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're in a spot where you've got money, you don't just go, oh, well, fuck, we need to go buy it. If anything, I'm going, all right, can I identify some good value guys for 12 months or two years, guys that I'm not going to have to keep for long or there's going to be a short turnaround, and then can I get into the market next year where there's a lot more better players on? I'm looking at, like, you know, a Corey Waddell, I think, off again, or a, a guy who just does a solid role and a, a lot less money than, say, if you are paying six, 700 or whatever they were going to pay Jack to be an Australian player. Uh, I looked at the locks. There wasn't a whole lot available. Someone like Adam, Adam Elliott from the Dogs is just a solid toy. I, I guarantee you get him for half the money. There's, just, there's a couple of guys like that I looked at and thought I, I'd just be looking more short term, get the new coach in, start to change things and then get into the market the year after where there's a lot more players and you want to spend your money more effectively rather than getting tied into shit deals and not being able to make any moves. Because the biggest problem they've got right now, some of it not self-inflicted, is they've had so much money tied up from 6 to 13 they've got no depth they've got no bench and they've given deals initially I got hounded when I said that the James Graham deal was stupid but to be honest I I'm going to say I was right 3 years 600 700,000 whatever they brought him over I thought 2 years was easily enough because he'd had so many kilometers on his body Forty brings at the club, what you hear about him around the group and the young boy, all that stuff's great. But for what you're getting on field, you can't be paying $600,000 for him right now. The Corey Norman deal right now doesn't seem that great. They swapped him for uh, Widop and he's landed another fucking mammoth contract, possibly eight nine 900000 Ben Hunt's deal is not looking great, but none of that's the fault of the players. The club is overpaid heavily on the top end of their roster and in turn, it's left him with a fucking hole in their depth, on their bench, and in particular their back line, which they can't seem to settle on. Yeah. Uh, again, short-term planning for a long-term plan. If that's not going to be my coach long-term next year, if I'm a Dragons fan, it's not great, but I don't want to fire him. I don't want a caretaker. I don't want some dodgy situation that possibly gets Flanagan, you know, holding the reins behind the scenes but not coaching and get fucking suspended again. I'd probably just bite down on my mouth guard for 12 months. Um see through the situation then appoint Flanagan and have him already planning next year what they what they want to do but yeah. I certainly wouldn't be spending rash just for the sake of it this year because they're going to have some money for you that's for sure yeah I agree totally uh, probably the last thing I want to touch on uh, very very sad news about Mitch Cronin over the weekend he was a uh, a player up there in the Queensland Cup who was very successful with Wynnum uh, he previously played 20s and been part of the first grade squads with the Raiders and at Brisbane, he was after my time at Canberra. I think he came the year after I left, but he played with a couple of guys that I happened to live with, and you wouldn't hear a bad word about the bloke. All these situations and circumstances are absolutely horrible. You never want to hear about something like this, but 27 and, and doing the right thing, train apparently training at home and 
uh, the circumstances as to what happened after they found him in the pool. Did he, they talking about maybe he had a heart attack? Did he hit his? I, I don't know, but it, it's just horrible. Really feel feel for the. It doesn't matter, does it? No. It doesn't matter how he passed. Like it's it's just terrible. It's tragic, you know, whether he had a heart attack or whether he, you know, banged his head in the pool. Um, yeah, just tragic. Like he had his whole life ahead of him. Again, you only hear positive things said about him. I haven't. Not that you're going to hear negative things said, but I think you're more just got to focus on the amount and quality of people who have come out and said how good of a person he is. Um, to be a captain and a leader of any footy club, I think he's probably um, from from our when you're looking from a rugby league perspective. There's no greater honour, yeah. there's no greater um, you know war medal than that. That that says that you're not only a, a fantastic player. But you're a fantastic leader as well, and you're someone that people look up to. And um, it's a it's a club in Queensland with a lot of history. And you know the fact that he was still aspiring to get back into the NRL. I think he played in the Auckland Nines um, on two occasions, I believe. And so he, he wasn't far away. But um, yeah. I just really, really feel for his parents. Oh, um, it's terrible. And his family, and you know anyone related to him, and. The fact that he, he was such a magnificent person and had done so many good things is only going to make this hurt even more. Um, terrible, isn't it, to happen now at, at this point yeah, in time? that was the other thing. It's you know, really... struggling as well. It just Some things in life just don't make sense. So, no. Uh, he, yeah, commiserations to anyone listening who um, knew him or um, is related to him yeah. immediately or extended. It's um, awful news. Yeah. Terrible, terrible news. And again, like I said before, hell it's one of those things you, you hear it, and I, I, didn't, I don't know him. I, I'd never really even heard of him. And no. I'm... It just makes you feel numb. It, it makes you just feel really, really ordinary, and it brings you right back down to level, doesn't it? And, and pegs you right down into what's important in life. We haven't needed pegging. Like life at the moment has been pegged because of uh, what's going on. This was just another reminder that. Um, we're all very lucky to live in this country and um, to have the things that we that we have and you just never know when your life could abruptly end. It's uh, tragic. 100%. How like I said, hell of a player. I watched him play a lot of his 20s after I left. He played with a lot of guys that I'm still friends with now and live with. I didn't know him on a personal level. I think I met him once or twice when I went back down there. Matter. But no, no one had a bad word to say and I can say right now, they brought him down. He played centre, 5'8", hooker, half the back end of his career up there playing cup after a couple of injuries that probably didn't help his chances of playing first grade, he turned into a gun number nine. And he was playing Queensland residence, so that says enough. If you're the starting hooker or you're playing residence, you're right on the precipice of playing first grade. But those injuries, like everybody gets, unfortunately, uh, hold some people back sometimes. But again, speaking to any guys that live with him or played with him down there, they reckon you couldn't meet a better bloke. So um, they're the guys that, again bring teams together or really rally a group and from all reports he's one of the best blokes you'd meet so very very sad um, yeah not what we needed in these times that's for sure no absolutely not well I think that's just about everything I've got Brock as far as like I said talk about the game any updates the CEO situation TV player movement bits and pieces and obviously that's sad news but we decided this week a lot of people have been sending through their all time teams and I guess if you're watching Fox League Live you're probably getting sick of hearing everyone do their Queensland or their club team. Like Every player's done three or four. 
So we'll get into one of the funnier ones, the loose units, the crazy nuts. I posted up with Sabo for some people's favourite all-time loose cannon or dirtiest player or off-field, on-field, any kind of category you're looking for. But we're going to name a 1-13 to 13 here, so no bench this time, of our loosest, craziest and dirtiest all-time teams. So, it's exciting. I like this. This is good. This one should have a bit of value about it. Again, you can go whatever way you want. Uh, <coughs> you might want to go. I want, you, I want you to go first here because I'm, I'm interested to, to see what you've come up with. And I've got a couple of uh, multiple options here because I, I reckon I've probably got a little bit of a, a bigger spectrum on this than what you do because I've seen a little bit, like being a little bit older um, and can remember probably the early 90s had some more crazy fuckers and what the, you know, your time in watching footy did. So I'm going to try to do my best to not double up if I can. So you go first and I'll follow you. I'm going to do similar, but I'm not going to, can I not pick fullback first? Why not? Because I've got two or three here. They're not that great. And I've got one that I just don't feel like I should be able to pick because I don't really know the bloke. I just heard a lot of crazy shit about him. Who was it? Who's your one? I had Julian O'Neill because I just yeah, heard, I, that's oh, I just heard too much it, it, off field. Yeah, some stuff that I don't even want to repeat. Yeah. <laughs> but I just <laughs> I, I didn't the infamous, say uh, the infamous shoe um, incident. I think it was in a Dubbo hotel. Yeah, um, where he uh, defecated in a shoe. Yeah, <laughs> um, just a crazy unit. Um, yeah, that's good. There we go. I, I didn't think you'd have Julian O'Neill. So, well, again, I, I didn't. I had two underlined because I was like, I didn't really Who get. Else did you have? I didn't really see him play. If I was going to go, someone just for. He's pretty crazy on the field as well. He had a bit of looseness in him. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. A, a lot of people they smash Billy Slater on there for starting off with the foot yeah, tactics and leading in. <laughs> there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of Melbourne hate for Billy and Cameron, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, when, I, when I logged on to have a look, I thought I'm just going to check to see like if there's anyone that anyone's brought up that I've missed, and I was like, it was all just hate for Slater and Smith. Oh, they smashed like, me. They're like he's cunning and manipulative and grabbing. I'm like, yeah, I get all yeah, that. They, but... brought in a, they brought in a rule for Billy Slater. I'm like, oh fuck. Like, well, <laughs> there they go. One of our fans, I think it was Dave Ashley. I loved it. it get the David Clemmer karate kick on the night. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he definitely he definitely lifted his foot on purpose, but at the same time, if some big fucker was coming to chop my legs out, I'd stick my leg out too. Yeah, <laughs> smell the cheese. But it's Billy funny. Billy certainly pushed the boundaries, uh, saving tries. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I had Benny Barber was the other one I had underlined. Benny Barber, yeah, multiple things, more off field, not on field, but what a waste of talent. But just stupid shit. Man. And then the last thing, the, the last thing with his wife at the back end of last year when he come back again. The grand final, like fuck with Cronulla, and then you get done for Coke, and then previous to that, the Bulldogs has that awesome year, best fullback in the competition that year, absolutely outstanding, wins the Daly M, and then twelve months later, you're hearing all sorts of stuff around the club and the players, and the, like, just yeah, what a waste, what a waste. But I had Julian O'Neill from the stuff I read. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> yeah, that's out of control. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, wingers, what do you got? I think one of these is a shoe in. I don't think yeah, it's an argument. The tongue, the tongue and finger drop <laughs> Yeah, John. You mean, you mean, I saw the best one today. Someone wrote John Stoppafati. Oh, John, John Stoppafati. <laughs> that's great. Did you see his um, TikTok the other day? Yeah, 
Did you see? Yeah, his t- I did. I, I did. What a day! What someone, a day! Someone you. should just take him off social media. <laughs> he's, he's a legit crazy person. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> yeah. He's fucking crazy. How good was so, he? I, I love him, but like, I, but he's just one of those dudes. That, it, I would never have liked to have played against him. Oh he's no! Just, Ask Keith Galloway, your debut game, and John Hopalato. Yeah, but oh, if you go back to like the, I, I think it was a '96 Grand Final. Um, I can't think of who the winger was that he marked up on from the Dragons, but I think he scored two tries. And like after the second try, like Hopper just got the ball and just pegged it into his head. Like he just, he, <laughs> he was just legit crazy. Uh, crazy. I didn't think we'd have much disagreement uh, on that. At least the, the, the other winger, I had Michael Hancock. Purely <laughs> because our, like our old man hated Michael Hancock. <laughs> Hated him, and I'll, I'll never forget like Friday night footy. Every every night that he'd be on, the Broncos are playing, and someone had built like Dad had just be like build him. Like as soon as Hancock got the ball, Dad just wanted blood, and you know what Dad's like. He, he never wanted blood from anyone, but Hancock for some reason just got under his skin, and um, he, he'd get on the ground and he just kick around like he was having an epileptic fit. Like he just. Carry on, and he he kick and punch and elbow and head bar, and he was just um, mental, like, like a, a legit crazy person on the field. So Michael Hancock was my my other winger. So this is the one again. I looked at it and I was like, I don't, I don't remember many crazy or dirty wingers. Unfortunately, I wanted more guys that get suspended. But from the time I've been alive, the wingers who have been in trouble, it's been more for off field stuff, which wasn't the way I really wanted to go with my team. Unfortunately. Um, so I kind of, kind of was borderline cheating, but at the end, I went with Blake Ferguson. Yeah, <laughs> again. Yeah, it's also like it's not so much about what you've done off the field. It's like are you a loose, crazy person? Oh, he's loose. Blake Ferguson's loose as hell. He's. Re- I think he's fairly well reformed. And I'll even say when I went well, to I'd the. Love to, I'd love to have a beer with um, Blake Ferguson. Oh, 100%. Like, anytime you see him on telly or whatever, like you know, I wouldn't want my daughter dating him. But no, I, definitely not. I, you'd like, you'd like to have a beer with him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going more. I was looking for like the greatest suspension team of all time. But for the outside back, since I've been alive, it was kind of a struggle. I didn't have many names, but I just thought, as far as off field, he's got a colourful rap sheet. He's done some crazy shit. He's been fired from a couple of clubs. Uh, good on him. He's pulled himself together now. He's playing well at Para. Origin last year, I was there after game three, when everyone was saying that you know there's no way he's off the piss. I tell you what, I was there until four in the morning. I was blind as a bat. He didn't have a drink, so. Uh, yeah. If he's sticking solid on his word, it's, it's working out for him right now because he did win an Origin Series. He won a comp at the Roosters. He's turned things around. But, yeah, in the past, I don't think, again, I need to go through his rap sheet, but a bit of a colourful colourful history. Yeah. All right. Centres, what do you got? Um, Terry, Terry Hill. Yeah. He, was, he was a legit crazy person as well. <laughs> Have a look at it. Like, loose as hell. Like, he, he was on the footy show, and he was he's funny. He's a funny guy. Out there, bloke, but on the field, crazy. Like, there's that picture of State of Origin, him trying to fight Gordon Taylor. Like, <laughs> like that, Terry. Um, it's not a, a smart idea. There's another famous scene where he, like, fakes to be knocked out. I remember that one. In a game. And they and give him the sniffing salts. Yeah, like, just... He, he was... Um, when he played for New South Wales, you loved him. When he played for Manly and the West Tigers, you just... You wanted his blood. Put it that way. Like, he was, he's... It's just a character. Um, and loose as hell. So I, I had him, and I'm going overseas for my other centre, uh, a really famous Leeds Rhino, uh, Keith Senior, who 
was one of the craziest outside backs I've ever seen play the game. He would just take blokes on, run over guys, shoulder charge people in the head, um, head slam, elbow, fight. Like, he was just your, your UK crazy man. Like, he'd get a run on snatch, Keith Senior. Um, and just <laughs> some of the sleeps I've seen him put on people, some of the big hits, and just cop no shit. Um, just loved him. Absolutely loved him. So he was he was my centre, Keith Senior. Anyone who... You know, watched the Super League to early 2000s to the mid 2000s. He was um, one of those Leeds Rhinos who sort of set them up for that really famous run. They've they've been on over the last sort of 10 or 15 years. But um, the cue ball, ball as a bat. But um, yeah, fantastic player and just a crazy man, Keith Senior. Mate, he was the English ver- looking version of Ben Kennedy on appearance. <laughs> yeah. Every time I looked at him, I thought of BK. But yes, Keith Senior was a good player. <laughs> Alright, first up, I've got Steve Shoulders, Matt I. Yeah, he, he was my other choice, but I thought I'd, I'd go elsewhere, yeah. Uh, he, as far as centres, when you're talking about silky smooth and all those bits and pieces, underrated as a player, underrated skill, but you want to talk about tough or just all out loose. Like, when you fucking hit someone so hard every time that you can't feel your arm or your neck and you just keep playing, you've clearly got issues, but he never went to tackle someone, he went to kill someone. Um, he got suspended a few times Always niggly, always aggressive But yeah, he's definitely not a bloke I would have liked to have been marking up Or playing one-on-one against If I was a fucking back rower or a centre That's for sure no. And he just used to lay people out The other option, again, wasn't that exciting I had a lot of people here, for, again, for off-field But it's not really the way I wanted to go So I stayed away from a few of them I don't want to have a fucking lay the boot in party But I went for Justin Hodges Is my other one Hodges just niggled and shit and that that origin. What was that shit origin we watched? The one where we won and I didn't actually feel that great after it. It was 2014. The, Hod- yeah, the Hodkinson yeah, try. Yeah, 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 yeah. That whole night, like the the ten was shit. Him and um, him and Josh Reynolds had a running like just running battle that night. Oh, him and Jenko too. Every time he tackled Jennings, they're just yeah. going ghetto as on each other, just pressing each other's heads, facial like it was just shit. Yeah. He was he was a good player, but fuck, he, again, you talk about like Hancock or blokes, when they weren't wearing an Australian jersey, when he played club football, when he played Origin in particular, he just fucking hated him. <laughs> yeah. But all time, as far as just dirty and niggly, Hodges, he, he got in for me. Yeah. All right, halves. This you could have gone a lot of ways. I started off one direction, then I completely changed. So I'll let you go first. Well, the, cra- the craziest, loosest... Um... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Ever, I think he's Tommy Rodonicus. Yeah, I had like him. Some of the, some, some of the <laughs> shit that I've seen him do, like just <laughs> punching people at scrums, um, <laughs> shred on hands, um, um, like starting all in brawls. Like, I never saw him play, but and then you, you you look at like Cattle Dog, and he moved into be this just crazy funny guy on the Footy Show. Um, and this colourful character that we've just we just love, like New South Wales, love him. Like 
you know, you hear him interviewed before State of Origin every year, and he just says, look, you know, the best way to get under the maroon skin is just to punch the shit out of him at the first scrum. Like, he just, he just has this view of rugby league that just never changes. Out of control. Um, and he's just so inappropriate, it's appropriate. Like, he's, it's excellent. So he was, um, he was my first. And then the, the, the guy to partner him in the halves is just the modern day um, bad boy, Todd Carney. Like, Good times. I love Todd Carney. Won a Dalian medal. He's been sacked from multiple clubs. <laughs> you just can't get it right. The bubbler. Um, he's got ink all over him. He seems, again, like a guy who you wouldn't want to date your daughter, but I'd love to sit down and have a beer with him. He seems like a decent human being, but he could just never sort out his toxic relationship with the bottle, and he just he just does <laughs> loose as shit on the grog. Well, he, he got banned from his own hometown, for fuck's sake. There you go. That's like, loose. Um, and, look, I, th- I think underrated is the coaching performance of Brian Smith the year that he won the Italian medal. Yeah. Because realistically, um, never, never before that, never after that, have we seen such a great season from from Todd Carney. Um, even now, like he, he's doing the sports bet ads, and um, he just plays up the bad boy image, which I, I, I like. You know, I think he should own it. Well, I haven't read that book, but when he was doing his little press tour, I mean, I loved it. He just owned everything. <laughs> But yeah, we, well, we've seen him at the No BS Sports Luncheon, and he, he, yeah, he just owns it. He goes, yeah, look, I, I fucked up, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, and that's what I love about him. I think, I think he'd be wrapped um, to be in this team. Well, so. I tell you what, you had me identical to start with. I was like, I just thought of the two guys I want to have a drink with. So I had Joey and Carney, and then I was like, what about Craig Gower? And then I just changed my tact. I was like, you know what, I want to oh, get. Well, I, yes, I could tell you some stories about Craig Gower. Like I was playing um, at sort of the Panthers and the Eels around that drinking age when, you know, it was, it was around 02, 03, 04, which is when Penrith won the comp and Penrith, like, that, he was he was God in Penrith. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, I was playing C grade and, you know, at, at the time I was playing with his now uh, brother who's passed away, young Matty Gower, and... Um, you know, Craig came up to the pub, mate, and he was the life of the party. Like, and he, he, he look, he's got in trouble for his antics on the drink, but I'll tell you, like, I've, I've had some fantastic nights where you've just gone home and your eyes have been sore and your cheeks are sore because you've just been pissing yourself laughing at, you know, just, he knows how to let his hair down and have a good time, probably more than what he, he should have as a professional. And, you know, he... he he may have probably run into more trouble now in the modern game. He probably got away with a little bit more back then with, you know, less bones and uh, probably a little bit more uh, social tolerance for that, for that sort of behaviour. But um, oh, one of the one of the great loose units, Craig Gow, oh, he'd still be like that. He still loves a drink. Oh, 100%. And i tell you what, like you said, I, I there's been some incidents, but I haven't heard bad about him from anyone. Yeah, and look... Um, he, he's had a, he's had it pretty rough recently, Craig. Look, um, his dad Mal passed away, and, and Matt passed away recently. And um, but you know they they were such a close family, and I, I don't know how many um, how many weekends I walked in the Pioneer Tavern, and here was Mal with Matt and Craig, um, and there'd be a stash of schooners in the middle of the table. Um, just just a family, uh, you know. Uh, who just know how to have a good time and unfortunately there's just been 
um, ravaged that family through through um, bad luck and um, some tragedies. But uh, a, a beautiful family, and man, we had some fun times. And as I said, in the early two thousands, at the pioneer, just um, being loose and having fun. Like he just he knows how to have a good time. Well. I went a completely different tack. Those three were in my head because I thought about partying, and then I got back on track and thought the outside backs let me down. But I want the most suspended team of all time. I like crazy people. Yeah. So I threw two in there. One I cheated with because there were so many good forwards that I had to. Greg Bird's my six. <laughs> <laughs> Greg yeah. Bird's my six because I. Well, I think he was playing six the night he needed Shane Martin. Yeah, Martini in the head. What are you doing, Greg? Oh, Greg. Greg was out of control. And for Origin, yeah. he was just a loose unit. He was always in. He always diving. He's always just milking. He was just an all-out grub. I loved him. Yeah. Especially when he played for New South Wales. But, yeah, there were so many forwards. And once you said we weren't doing a bench, I was like, fuck, I can't leave some of these guys out. So I've changed it. And then my next one, Travis Burns. <laughs> Yeah, good. That's that's a good underrated one. Travis Burns is just a nutbag. Every time I watched him play, I'm like, this bloke just looks like he wants to fucking fight everybody. He yeah, he, just... got, look, he, got, he was another one that got forced over to England. Yeah, well, I looked at it before I said to you when I was looking. I thought, I just remember him being suspended constantly. So I had a look. He played about 110 to 120 games, and then he was suspended for 25, 26 weeks. So if you're talking about time spent on the field or time off, basically once a month. If you average it out, he'd be if you did that over his career, he had to have a sit down. Yeah. But he was not fearing of any man. Defensively as a half, he was almost as big as a lock, but he was just fucking nuts. He wanted to bash people, he wanted to hurt people. He got suspended for some dog shots and some dumb shit and some high tackles. But I tell you what, you want to talk about a man that was just angry, the definition of angry, it's that's Travis Burns. Yeah. So there was plenty of good halves. There were two. Right, Sean Edwards, who a lot of people wouldn't remember, um, and I only vaguely remember him, uh, uh, Pommy Half. The other one, the other one that's just, if you wanted to go a half who is loose as shit, Sean Long has been in so much trouble in the UK. Like, <laughs> from what he's done on the drink, like some of the stuff he did on the field, um, I'm pretty sure his career ended because he was caught betting on matches. Like, he... Just a bad boy. Bad boy. But, you know, now he's done good. I think he's, he's now moved from... He's coaching rugby union now. I think he's quite um, articulate. And he's, you know, really got his life back on track. But, man, like, during his early part of his career and, and for the majority of his career, he could find some trouble, I'm sure, along. Oh, good times. And the other one was a winger who we spoke about last week, actually, was Brian Carney. They reckon Brian Carney is one of the loosest humans on the drink you've ever seen. Excellent. So, and again, I, I just thought I'd throw in the UK side of this. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Yeah, like I said, I, I wanted to go more the aggressive or suspension route because they're my kind of people. So I went yeah. Greg Bird and Travis Burns. Travis Bird's right. had, I think... So where are we going? Are we going to prop or are we going to hooker? Uh, I'd, I'll go the props. Okay, props. Well, I think we're going to have one the same. You had him in your all-time team, but I've put him in my... No, I don't, I don't think we do. My two props are two pommies. Are probably not the pommies you're thinking about. Barry McDermott is one of the most suspended players ever in the UK Super League. He's one that Gordy the punched guy, the piss out of? No, the guy has a glass eye. He's suspended for 40 matches <laughs> in, in, the, <laughs> in, the, in the Super League. He's a legit crazy person. He now... Um, he commentates on Sky, and he's, an, he's a fantastic commentator, but, man... 
he was a hard man. I don't know how many fights I saw him get in, into. Um, he retired uh, at the end of the 2005 Grand Final. Um, the league lost, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly. But um, he he just got in fights. He he punched people in the face. He headbutted people. He was just the greatest person on the field. Um, and he was just that English guy that you just go, what the hell? And then the guy I think that um, took the mantle from him in the prop four position was James Gray. James Graham is a crazy person. No, he, he, fucking, he bit Billy Slater. <laughs> he's as loose as all shit. Yeah, like you see him on, um, on NRL 360, and he just doesn't care. He's, he's um, I don't think he's crazy. Like, I think he's super smart and he's articulate, but he just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he just, he, he, like, all the stuff with concussion, he, he will argue you tooth and nail that, like, no, it's my body, it's my choice. I should be able to play cuss and play, play on or, or whatever. Like, he's... He just doesn't care. Um, he bit Billy Slater's ear. He's just excellent. You know, he did the old bent finger spack attack on the um, Good Friday game, where he went in and tried to poleaxe Adam Reynolds' leg. Like he's just done some legit crazy things. Trying to fight Sam um, all the time every time yeah, they fight, played. Fighting Sam, like there's some classic things that you, you can see from James Graham throughout his career. Oh, he's well mental. Um, no and, doubt. And I love him. I love watching him play. Um, you know, he's unfortunately at the back end of his career now. But like when he first came over to Australia, it was it was so good, so like he was so entertaining. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. So then, my two, Barry McDermott um, and James Graham. Well, they're good picks. They're good picks. I've I've gone again with my theme of just aggressors and blokes that love getting suspended and flogging blokes. Morley's the first prop I picked. Cause, yeah. Because in my lifetime, again, he was probably one of the last ones when that era was changing, but. He was only here for six seasons. He racked up 26 weeks worth of suspensions, which is outstanding. Yeah, he, he owns the fastest send-off ever in rugby. Oh, <laughs> the bloke's a fucking law unto himself. I loved him. I really did. Like, the all-time team, when you talk about, like, just pure football, I thought he was a good football. I didn't think he was the best prop. But if you – like, I love, like I said to you, loose, emotional no, – hang on. It's the best prop that you've ever seen. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, I love loose, emotional characters. I said that last week. I love your Ben Kennedys or your inspirational people – Morley's one of those guys to me that if you said I want to play with, in that sense, Morley was just fucking scary. Morley did not give a fuck. If if you stepped over the line, like when Fitler got hit by Villa Sandy or when Caddick got laid out by Gutenbill, like he's the guy that straight away after that was like, you're fucking dead. Like, I'm, I will get you. That's a bloke I don't want to fuck with. But six seasons, 26 weeks suspended, he was a scary guy. That That's someone I don't want to fucking deal with. The other one... We personally know him. It was an easy choice. I, I put MJ in the front row. Oh, yeah. He's a good time. He's loose. And when you watch the stuff, what he was doing 20 years ago, I'm like, fucking hell, I don't know what was going through your head then, but you wouldn't pick it now. Oh, no. He's out of control. Some of the elbows yeah. and origin, <laughs> punching people, oh. fucking. And then I saw, like, things with the offloads and the skill. I'm like, holy shit. Like, watching some of the old football, but my God, he, he's someone I wouldn't have wanted to been on the wrong side of a fine on the footy field. Uh, the Wild Panther. There was plenty of good prop options too, but I looked at a few of them. A lot of people talk about Les Boyd. I've never seen him. Uh, Craig Smith was around. He always got done for knees. He had 34 weeks, but again, Jason Stevens with the wedgies and bunches of his shit. Um, I love Jared, but, you know, modern day, it's a bit harder. So Ashton, I always thought Ashton Sims was a bit of a nutbag. 
There's some good, yeah, there's some good choices, but I went with Morley and MJ because I want my team basically to just be fucking dangerous. <laughs> yeah, good. Hooker, who you got? Uh, Danny Williams. At nine. He played a lot of nine. Came on and played a lot of nine. He played there at the Bears or something, didn't he? Or Western? Yeah, crazy, crazy person. He just like what he did to Mark O'Neill was disgusting. <laughs> um, but he he just did. He was crazy. Like he come on the field and he just attacked blokes. Um, he'd niggle. Uh, he was an effort player. Just screw loose. Classic Irishman. Like don't want to move. No, thank you. Oh. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm looking on YouTube right now, and I'm trying to find this hit that Morley put on Chris Beatty in the first week uh. of the finals. Uh, Roosters played Cronulla in 2002, the year they won the comp. If anyone can find it, inbox it to me, because for the life of me, I can't find a replay of the whole game. But, like, I, I watched it live. I'll never forget it. Like, he just ice-picked Chris Beatty. It was unbelievable. <laughs> he smoked a lot of people. Don't worry about that. That same oh, game. Just, yeah. Knocked out Kearns. There's the Arwen Gutenbill revenge from after he laid out Ned Caddick. There's the double-up in the Manly game where he hit fucking Jason King, who's, like, 125 kilos, and made him spin out of control like a semi-trailer. He knocked Matai out. Oh, fuck. Yeah. He just... He'd sleep people all over the joint. The bloke was out of control. Who's your nine? See, nine, nine was a difficult one because there's a lot of guys, again, more modern that have got little bits and pieces. I, I thought Seguiara was a pretty loose character when he first came in. Yeah. And he had some bits and pieces off the field prior to that. An old one that popped in my head, I said to you beforehand, was Shane Dunley. He used to be real niggly at Manly and spat on someone. Yeah, he can't go spitting on people. That's, that's no. A lot of people wrote Ennis. <laughs> wrote Ennis on our page. Ennis was more a chirper. I didn't really find him that grubby. Yeah. Like he, maybe he pissed you off, or he's a bloke you wanted to punch in the face. But I wouldn't say he's exactly loose or crazy or anything like that. Like he, his was more psychological warfare. Um, people brought up Smith. I'm not going to deny that there's some grub in there. It's some sneaky grub. It's smart grub, but it's not the it's not the grub in my team that I want. I want someone who's going to get sent off. Yeah. So I was kind of torn. I was I was looking at Anthony Watts for a bit. Anthony Watts yeah. only had a short stint, punched him with Farah, and then he apparently bit someone on the penis when he was playing up on the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> he got suspended he up there. The, the blokes he had a control, but I was like, you know what? There was someone else who, who who I also considered was Paul Carter when he was playing. He played a bit of nine. He's a bit of a loose unit. He's had some dramas, oh, yeah. but I don't know. I just I thought loose. Loose, so I was leaning towards those two. I really was. Um, but I don't know. I just thought early Seguiara was very loose. He's been sacked a few times. He used to drop blokes. Like in the 20s, he had one of the best punch runs you've ever fucking seen. Shoulder charging. Like he was out of control those first few years. He was good. But yeah. seems like a hell of a character. Loose on the field. Bit nuts. Obviously uh, having a bit of an issue at the moment with the PEDs thing, which he's fighting. Um, hopefully he gets himself sorted out and gets back. But another one of those guys I kind of look at and just think, man, you look at that one year at Penrith or that year at North Queensland, I played against him in the 20s. If he has a clean run, he'd be one of the best hookers in the competition. But he's certainly a loose human being, so I went, I went with Seguiara. Yeah, good. But seems like good value. I think Seguiara is a bloke I'd like to have a beer with. 100%. Uh, back row. These two... 
well, again, there was a lot of guys there for different reasons, but I'll, I'll pick one of my first ones and then you can go. I picked Luke O'Donnell. Yeah. Luke O'Donnell was, again, another bloke who's a law unto himself. And I'm not, I, I will mention it actually. My old manager played with him at Tigers when it first started the inaugural year and just said he didn't have a gym partner because no one could live with him and just said he was legit fucking crazy. Yeah. He just did his own thing. He was dangerous for New South Wales and Australia. He was a hell of a back row, but fuck, he was angry. <laughs> Oof. He's suspended yeah. for 32 weeks in his career. He's a, he was a violent human being when he played football. Hell of a player, but, man, he was scary. Yeah, he did some bad shit. He was crazy. Bad, bad shit. He was um, a good player. He was a good player. I remember, I remember he spear-tackled Darius Boyd in an origin. <laughs> um, it might have been 2006. Oh, wow. Um, you know, he got, a, he got an 11-match ban, I think, early in his career. Because um, he punched the shit out of um, uh, Michael Monaghan. Uh, Michael Monaghan. He broke his jaw. Yeah, he got 11 like, weeks, I think. Busted, busted him up, man. Like, um, yeah, it's like, just ugly. Really, really ugly. Some of the, um, yeah. some of the early Luke O'Donnell, like, legit crazy person. And he got suspended as soon as he come back from that. He, he was involved in that terrible tackle that the West Tigers had with him in the wishbone. And I remember after that, his first game or two back, I think he got suspended like his first two or three games because he was just after blood. Yeah, and he's been arrested for drug supply and things like that like since retiring. So, um, no angel, but a hell of a player, like an intimidator. Oh man, when he played, like I said, I, I didn't. I, I just tried to steer away from a lot of off-field things for a lot of these guys. But when he played, yeah, legit scary. And that yeah, year, uh, so one of mine I'm not going to talk about because we've covered it is Adrian Morley. I put him in the back row. Yeah. Um, the loot, like I've gone to this guy more for looseness. Billy Mason. I had the, guy, the guy's loose as shit. Like some <laughs> of the things he used to do. Um, he party. Man, like, you got he got fucking shot at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love Willie Mason. You can't get any loose. You can't really get any looser than Clay. Like you got fucking shot at. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, but I love him. I, I love like when when I was um, you know, like when Willie was playing, and I was a staunch Roosters man while while Fitler was playing, and like the the dogs Roosters rivalry was you know was manly Melbourne. Like that that's the sort of rivalry that it was um, or Roosters Melbourne now or you know Cronulla Melbourne or whatever whatever uh, modern day rivalry we've got it was Roosters Dogs there for you know three or four years um, and you just wanted Mason's blood like he just infuriated you when you watched him but when he played for New South Wales and Australia like he just he belt blokes and he'd get under people's skin and he'd chirp and he'd talk and he had the hair and you know, there's a lot of stories about how um, crazy he was off the field and on the drink, and he always come across as the happy-go-lucky guy, like just loose. Love it. He was good. He played for some clubs too. Fuck. Dogs yeah, had well, a good. He, he actually went to the Roosters. <laughs> yeah, well, he had two years there. Then he went to the Cowboys, and then went overseas, and then he come back to Newcastle for a couple of years where he was good value and they used to mic him up. Some of that footage on Fox of him mic'd up in the scrum was fucking hilarious. Did he uh, someone on the balls? He had that one year uh, at the end, who was that with Manly? <laughs> Finished up at Manly. So he played for everybody. He's got a podcast he? now apparently where he just fucking says it how it is. He's pretty... <laughs> does he? 
I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen a few bits where someone said something and he just fucking goes after him. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. <laughs> That's great. He just does as he pleases. I will. He doesn't give a fuck. That's great. I'm going to have a look at his Wikipedia now. I don't think he plays Manly. Yeah, he did. He did too. Yeah, he's last year. He did too. Newcastle. You forget the Cowboys. He had a year there. Canterbury versus Cowboys. Yeah, Newcastle, KR, Manly. Newcastle, Manly, Catalan. I remember to get to the Super League, he had to like get a blessing. And he, to, he played too long for too long and for the Barbarians as well. I'm trying to think. He played what? one game for too long rugby. Yeah, and the Barbarians. He's done everything. Wow. That's that's crazy, man. Yeah. I remember when he came onto the scene, like played a game. He played a test match against Great Britain uh, at the Sydney Football Stadium. I'll never forget it. Alan Whitaker, um, as you know, I'm best mates with Timmy Whitaker. Growing up, we lived in each other's pockets. He pretty much lived at our place, and I pretty much lived at his place. Alan Whitaker, who writes um, just some of the greatest rugby league books you'll, you'll ever find. Um, and just a lover of footy. I remember we were in there and they were giving out Willie Mason wigs. Like, that's how... Um, that, that, that was the extent of the Willie Mason craze. They were giving out wigs. Like, that's how popular Willie Mason was when he burst onto the scene. It might have been... Two, that might have been 2002 um, when Australia played Great Britain. What about when yeah. Kidwell fucked him up when he was talking down the heart oh, that night? That was that was crazy. What was that like? Oh five, maybe. Yeah, he like fractured his eye socket. He, he yeah. He, oh, he got him. <laughs> he fucking didn't miss. He, he ain't no player, David Kidwell. Nah, he's him. not. As soon as he marked the harker, and I was like, oh no, that's bad. Yeah, Australia versus Great Britain only test in two thousand and two. He punched the piss out the of Stuart Field. The Australia, guess what the score was? No idea. 64-10 You know what I remember? It was the night that Stuart and Fielden was talking a big game and he was the gun man over there at the time. Yeah. Willie Mason just fucking snotted him. <laughs> <laughs> Willie, Willie Mason, man. Stuart Fielden came into calculations for my team, but and then I remembered that Willie Mason just owned him and I was like, nah, you're gone, Stuart. Mate, you went, if you're thinking about a pommy for your team, Gareth Hock needs to be out there. Nah. He's a loose unit. It was 34-0 at half time in this game. Tries scored by Scott Hill, two. Darren Lockyer, two. Danny Badiris, Willie Mason, Chris McKenna. There's a blast in the past. Tamana Tahu, Gordon Taylor, Sean Timmons, Lottie Takiri. Wow. The Australian team, Lockyer, Takiri, Timmons in the centres, McKenna. Tahu, Barrett and Johns, Webke, Badiris, Riles, Tallis, Simpson, Scott Hill at lock. The bench was Tate Menzies, Willie Mason, Jason Stevens and Chris Anderson was the coach. Oh, just quietly. Wow. I've just quit. I'll tell you another one with Miss Terry O'Connor. That's the one that Gordy punched up. Was it Terry O'Connor? I think it was Terry. Isn't he the one who played for? I think you're right. I think it was Terry O'Connor. That's what I thought about. I just quietly, though, I've just looked up that. Keith Senior played in that game. There you go. Keith Senior was the center. Yeah. For the the Pommies. Paul Sculthorpe, one of my favorite ever. Pommy plays. He was he, he could play Paul Sculthorpe. He should have come out here and played. Mate, I tell you what though, I've just looked up that punch Mason Field and he didn't even give him a chance. He didn't. <laughs> like, I, I don't even think Fielding was going to fight him. He was just looking to grab him. Willie didn't even think about it. He Willie just, just said, "Look, oh, first, bang. he fucking bludgeoned him. He just hit the deck, and then everything was on. And guess who the first person to come in after a Pommy was? Luke O'Donnell just coming and leveled someone straight after. I was like, oh. 
Was that at the World Cup? Was that at the uh, was it a World Cup or just a one-off test? I think it was a one-off test. Like a four nations. I think it was when the I think it was when they were still the Lions, maybe, and they came out here. Well, that's Great Britain. No, that, I think Great. I don't think Great Britain have come here since two thousand two. Oh, no, I got it here. 2006. William Mason's been banned for a match and fined 2,000 pounds after being found guilty of striking Stuart Fielding <laughs> in 23-12 defeat to Great Britain. He told the panel he only punched Fielding in an act of self-defence when he thought <laughs> <laughs> he thought the Lions prop was going to hit him. Well, from the video I've just seen, he didn't get a fucking chance to hit him. <laughs> Stuart Fielding's hands didn't come above his oh. hips. He he like he grabs him and has his other hand kind of down like maybe a little yeah, bit. But he doesn't Double even minutes. get a, he doesn't even yeah, get a no. chance. It's well, like punching a crush test dummy. Willie just goes fucking bang and his eyes go cross <laughs> and he hits the floor. Willie Mason. And then wh- whoever comes up to him to kind of say what are you doing, Luke O'Donnell just fucking floors the next guy like this is yeah, on. Great. We're all in. Oh wow. So what was it? Two thousand six. Oh six. It must be the. It must have been the Four Nations. Yeah, it says, it says they lost. I think that's the one where we lost the game and then we won the final. Yeah, I'll tell you. It was Great Britain. Great yeah, Britain. Great Britain. I was telling you, Stuart Fielding, because I loved Bradford and that at the time, and he came out here and he was killing the Super League, and he talked a lot before he came, and then yeah, I think that was the first game. And yeah, so Australia beat New Zealand in the opener. That was at uh, Mount we, Smart. We beat. Great Britain in the final, though, didn't we? Then we we played New Zealand again. Yeah. Okay. How does that work? Is that the one where Lockyer scored the try? No, that was yeah, it would have been. It would have been because that was the year when Lockyer won um, everything. He did, yeah. Grand final. I remember it because we went an extra time. And you know that game, the game, uh, the, the that that game, the Great Britain Australia game mm. was the Sunday before. I know it wasn't. No, I'm thinking of another game. Um, yeah, Australia lost to Great Britain 23-12. New Zealand beat Great Britain 18-14. Australia beat New Zealand 20-15. to um, Australia beat New Zealand 30-18. to I don't know how they... That first game... I don't know, here you go. They played two rounds. Uh, New Zealand beat Great Britain 34-4. And then... Australia beat Great Britain 33-10. So, yeah, we got in... And then the final was Australia 16-14 in Golden Point. Yeah. Lockyer. Lockyer. Don't lock your try. And that yeah, was just... That, that's, that, that could be a game, one of those games that uh, they replay on Fox at the moment. I've seen it a couple of times, and that's just another of those ones. Uh, I, I watched that game at the Jamison Hotel by myself. Um, I just had a shoulder reco. That was when I had my big shoulder up. Mate, we were both um, the same. That's what I had my knee reco. I was at Daniel Patane's house in Glenmore Park, I remember. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I was I was in a bad, bad place. I was 16. I, um, yeah, well, I would have been... You would have been 20. I was 20, yeah. I was hating life. My footy, footy career just ended. Um, I started coaching the year after, so I was in a, a little bit of a dark, dark place at that point in my life. But uh, I remember thinking about 16 schooners at the Jamison Hotel and watching that game on my Pat Malone um, and toddling off off home. So, uh, but yeah, what a, what a fantastic game. Yeah. Willie Mason, thanks for that. We, we should try and get him on for a chat. I reckon of all the times that like we say we struggle for guests, this is a bit of a different time. I think we don't be... struggle for guests. We just don't. No, we like wouldn't. Guests. But when we're busy and the comps count, like it's, it just never works time-wise. Like people, 
say sometimes about time when we're working and footy's going, we generally record late at night. It's just not ideal. It's hard. In this current climate right now, uh, obviously we're not together, so that probably makes it harder, but this would be the ideal time to probably get somebody like that for just a laugh and some good stories. I reckon it'd be great value. Yeah. But back row, my second back row, I'll go next. I picked him in my all-time team. I'm picking him again. Gordon Tells. Yeah, Gordy. Like, he's, he's a great bloke. He's good value. You look at him, they just say he loves a the beer. They reckon he's great on the beer. But when he played, he was crazy as shit. Like, his suspension yeah. record may not be as much, but that's one scary motherfucker. That's a bloke I don't want to go near. Um, the, the Hodgson throw, just saying, oh, people aren't fearing him anymore, so I'm going to punch up Ben Ross earlier in the year. Like, just shit like that. That's, <laughs> that's next level stuff for people that are just scary human beings. Hitting that bloke in Origin. Who was that in Origin? That was when I was a bit younger. Was it Origin when he smacks on the head after he scored the try? <laughs> Gordy. Yeah. He flogged uh, someone in the face. I was like, wow. <laughs> probably. There's a he, few, there's... he was um, He was like a dad at a children's playground in some of those games. He was just smacking people around like, <laughs> like they were little children. Like, you tell yeah. me right now that if I if you're taking a tap and I've got Morley, MG, Luke O'Donnell and Gordon Tallis, where are you running? <laughs> No, I'm probably passing. I'm not running. Fuck that. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a chip and chase over the top. I'm throwing a five-man cutout pass. I'm not I'm running. Throwing, I'm throwing a long ball. Fuck, I'm not going near any of them. They're all crazy. Yeah, nah. <laughs> I'm, um, my shoelace is undone. Oh. I'm playing hooker now. I'm going to pass to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, not a chance. Who's your second back, or back row? No, mine's Morley, so we've, we've been over Morley. Oh, so you got Morley. Mason, Mason and Morley, and my, uh, I lock forward final players, Greg Bird, but we've already we've already had Greg Bird, so yeah. Well, I cheated um, that one because there were so many other. He needs Jay Martini. He um, did some bad shit off the field. Uh, oh yes, he used did. To dive, used to knee, used to eye gouge, used to scrotum <laughs> grab, used to like, just do it all. Like when he played for Cronulla, you wanted his blood. When he played for the Titans, I loved it. When he played for New South Wales, I loved it. When he played for Australia, I loved it. So. Um, and he's still punching people up and getting in fights and acting like a crazy person for Catalans as well. Sure is. So I'll tell you who, who can't be forgetting in this, and I almost forgot because the back end of his crew, he cleaned it up and he was a bit of an origin hero. Paul Gallen used to be an absolute grub. Oh, yeah. Gallen had that one game where he ripped the stitches on the Frankie's head and he grabbed Josh Graham on the wheels at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was him. I, I didn't know that. It was a double up in the same game. The, yeah. He, he had, yeah. a, uh, oh, he Gallon, had some stuff. Gallon was no angel. No, nah, early doors. Oh, on off field, he was fine, but on field, early doors, you forget because he played for so long. Like back end of the career, just a hard worker, and for New South Wales and Australia and everything, like he just busted his ass. But you forget some of those probably earlier years. He was pretty fucking loose. Yeah, crazy person. All right, I've mentioned a lot of names for prop back row. Lock, lock was difficult. But because it was a real, like I moved Bird. I considered Josh Maguire more for just the dirty shit. Uh, Nate Miles, the bloke who shits in a hallway and used to leave with his head. There were <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he had to be considered, but I didn't want to put him in. He, he'd be on my bench. Him, Talos, and MG would all be on my bench. Well, that's what you moment. think. As soon as you took the bench away, you cut me short. There were so many guys yeah, here. It, it means you've got to be, you know, decisive in what you're doing. Yeah, I know. I considered Thido for his third man's in, but he wasn't really that dirty. I was like, you're not dirty. Crocker was a little bit crazy, but, you know, it wasn't enough. But realistically, it came down to Adam Blair. Crocker was crazy. Remember what he did to friggin' Brett Stewart in the grand final? If that was modern day now, you'd get like eight weeks. Oh, he'd be, he'd be suspended for 
three seasons for doing that. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember sitting there on the night going, "There's nothing wrong with that." He, he, he ducked down. <laughs> yeah, how crazy! And it was fine. They lost Brett Stewart, probably one of their best players in the grand final. He ducked straight into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he copped it's what. I, I considered two guys realistically in the end after all those names I brought up. It was down to my man, Denny Williams, and Adam Blair. <laughs> Adam Blair, it's more oh, the subtle, just hitting halves and doing all that kind of shit off the ball. I, he was really, really good. Danny Williams out of your team? Nah, after you took the bench away, I was like, Danny Williams has to be in there somewhere. So Danny Williams is my lock. <laughs> yeah, good. Danny Williams, he had some suspensions and some bits before, more for careless, reckless high tackles, but you want to talk about craziest or dirtiest, how could you leave out that? That punch was disgusting. Oh, on Marco. Mind you, the tackle, I thought the tackle was bad, but the response, holy shit. Well, the tackle on Williams. Did you see? Like, he fucking head slammed him. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 But yeah, to get yeah, up, yeah, and, like, yeah. he chased him and king hit him. I was like, holy shit. I remember shit. watching it live. I, oh, we were watching it live. I reckon... Um, Andy Raymond went off. We were at the... Uh, I reckon that's when we were in our little shack in between houses. Um where we rented for a little while with the old boy uh, before he got remarried um, to his now um, his now wife and our stepmom. Uh, we were in a little, like a bit of a halfway house, wasn't it? Like a little shack. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the year. That would have been 2004. 04 from that jersey. Yeah, was, I can pick I, it. I was watching that game live, man. 04. Yep. 2004. It was horrendous. Oh, it was horrible. Um, but he was a special what, for it. He was time, always in what, shit and rucks and all sorts of what stuff. Round, what round? Do you know what round it was? Oh, I think it was like mid-year and it was an important game for us. We scored a try off that same play as well. It was at Leichhardt, from memory. Yeah, and Bellamy's response in the box was almost just like, oh, well, that's the game and fuck me. Like, he didn't even really blow up. You could just see he was internally. It was round, nine, it was round 19. How many weeks? Did he, get like, did he get 17 weeks or something, I think? Eighteen weeks. You hear stories even. I think Billy Slater spoke about it the other week because people just bring up clubmen or people that are at clubs, and they just he was just saying in general, like not even about that. That he didn't bring up that moment, but he was just saying full stop that he was legit crazy. Yeah, great for the club. Apparently, at the Bears, he was well respected and loved as well. But they reckon you know could tell a yarn, loose as on the piss, and then anyone who's willing to chase after someone in a game of football and fucking basically king it, which would get you put in jail now. Like, wow. That's one loose, crazy human being. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we forgot to mention um, John Hopperwade's elbow and Keith Galloway. No, I didn't. I mentioned it as soon as we said it. That's how he ended his career. He It was right. almost like he wanted to end it. And he, it's Keith Galloway, I'm pretty sure it was his debut game. He fucking broke his jaw. Like bad, bad if the tackle was on him. Yeah, it's like going, all right, how do I go out like my way? <laughs> I'm going to go out taking out a debutante with a flying fucking WWE elbow to the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was like... It was awful. So bad. I think that might have been the longest. Danny Williams, I think, got 17 weeks. I think Hopper might have got similar or more, like 18. Jesus. It's a hefty... Yeah, no, no, no good. Yeah, I, I, I distinctly, I reckon I was having a spaghetti bolognese and eating a garlic, small garlic pizza when Danny Williams hit Mark O'Neill because I was, as you know, I was delivering pizzas Saturday night and I reckon I had a C-grade game the next day and I come home and it was they were the late game um, and yeah I, I saddled up on the lounge and plonked down and sure enough witnessed 
Danny Williams doing that. Unbelievable. Well, I'll tell you what, my back line, like I said, I'm a little bit disappointed. I didn't have as many guys, probably suspension-wise, that I would have wanted. Matt and Hopper would have got some suspensions, but Hodges, Fergo, Barber, more off-field stuff. But from 6 to 13, I'll tell you what, I'd be going to the judiciary every week. Oh, yeah, and here, Danny Williams, his defence. Melbourne for Danny Williams claimed he couldn't remember King hitting West Tigers' uh, second-row marker. He blacked out. Williams faces a lengthy suspension, 20 odd. 29-year-old was told he'd taken matters into his own hands. Oh. Williams took ex- exception to a high tackle. Um, it was Gavin Badge that sent him off. Yeah, Badge. Badge flicked him. And Andy Raymond absolutely destroyed him in commentary. Craig Bellamy was unable to seriously defend his charge. It was stupid of Danny, and we don't condone that. Nah, and that was the end of his career. It was game over. Storm Mentor said Williams' only defence would be that he was stunned from the high tackle. Um, yeah. And Bellamy said he should have stayed down and received the penalty rather than retaliate. I remember copying a strong tackle and don't remember too much after that, Williams said. The boys told me in the sheds what occurred. Obviously, I'm not happy about what happened to Mark, and that's all I've got to say. I'm remorseful, and I don't want to comment any further than that. Um, Out of control. There you go. It was pretty bad for Mark O'Neill. He wasn't conscious. They were giving him oxygen, um, so it didn't look good. Wow. Nah, if that happened now, you wouldn't play again, I don't think. No, that, good. that would be one of those things where they'd just say, like, for the integrity of the game and the look of the game, like, that would be get you scratched instantly, I reckon, in the modern day. Um, Tigers were on a mission scoring double from Melbourne Wonderboy. Billy Slater wasn't enough to stop the home team from going to the break with a 16-12 lead. Um, and they went on, the Tigers went on to win the game 26-12. Wow. Because from that play, Melbourne score, but it's basically because everyone's running in after Danny Williams at King hit Mark O'Neill. Steve Bell from memory scored, and then it all got called back because what happened. And Andy Raymond just absolutely roasted him and right to the side. <laughs> Andy. But oh, that's great. With only 13, like you said, it was hard to leave some guys out. Kenny Edwards, he was a loose cannon. Yeah. Crocker, Semi Burgess. A lot, he, of the, a lot of the modern day guys, I was, I was like, nah. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit nostalgic, but. Like, I would have thrown Les Boyd on my bench. Like, Same here. Some of the things that he got up to, I never saw him play, but um, he was a crazy person. He, he seemed like one of those guys with white line fever. I would have had Les Boyd, Talos, MG. Um, I don't know who the other one would have been. Well, I would have had Boyd and Radonicus. I didn't say him play, but you just hear way too much crazy shit to not have him. So. Tommy. Like, some of the things, Tommy, how good. And again, I'm not even going to give some air to some names for what they did off the field because some of their acts yeah, aren't... Yeah, it's not about that. Oh, no. I didn't want it to be about that. It was just more to, to remember some of the crazy things. Yeah, some, some loose characters. Some of the characters um, and some of the loose behaviour on the field. Um, yeah, no, good. I like that. It was I good like value. That. So if you've got, a, you've got an argument, uh, you've got an idea for another one next week, um, send us some messages and give us some suggestions because... Uh, I quite enjoyed. I, I probably pissed myself for about an hour today going through that team. And oh, I had a good laugh when, some I, old stories when I thought of someone. My wife was sort of saying to me, what are you laughing at? I said, listen, we're in isolation and I'm just trying to amuse myself. That's right. I had a good laugh at a few of them. I just remembered some stuff. I was like, oh, geez. Great. Like, if anyone has footage of a tape of that 2002 semi-final Sharks versus the Sydney Football Stadium where Morley just murders Chris Beattie, <laughs> I'd, I'd just love to see it once more. I'd... I'd pay fifty bucks to see just one replay of that. Oh, there's some stuff. I just want to. I just want to. 
Just refresh my mind. I'm pretty sure it's available uh, on YouTube. I'm not sure. But, um, it's not. I'm, I'm looking now. I've looked everywhere. No, not that. I was going to say. The one I said before about the Seguiara under 20s fight, I'm pretty sure you could find that. He just built Oh, the- yeah. A lot of the modern stuff, you, you can find it. It's just hard getting, like, even from 2002. Some of his early, like, springboard shoulder chart, like, he had some pretty out-of-control moments. Yep, straight away. Under-20s, Cowboys, Seagulls fight. Mm. And James Seguiara, I'll tell you what, he can throw them. Okay. I, I, I can't remember that. This is around my time, so I'm trying to remember the guy he gets a hold of, but... Oh, it's a big bench forward, and the blokes just start swinging and starts running away. Seggy's just throwing them left, right, there and centre. There was another, what was a crazy fight at, um, in the 20s? It was at Campbelltown Stadium. It was the Tigers, I reckon. Tigers? The, the, the craziest one I remember is a guy that I played with at Penrith who went to the Roosters, and he got banned for like 20 weeks because he kicked someone in the head. No, nah, it wasn't that. It was, a, it was a crazy fight at Campbelltown Stadium. Was that when Nathan um, Brown was there? That was Nathan Brown. Yeah, Nathan yeah. Brown was out of control. Yeah, it and was Nathan Brown. He's turned into a hell of a player. He's curbed that enthusiasm at early doors. I think I remember saying years ago on our podcast, because he was a junior gun, that at this point he'll struggle to make first grade because at the moment he's just irrational. It was against Canberra. It was Nathan Brown and Kyle Lovett. Against Canberra. Kyle Lovett plays for the Tigers. No, that's what I'm saying. It was it was for the when they were playing for the Tigers. They both got into a fight. A frosty under twenties rivalry between Canberra and the West Tigers is reaching breaking point. That was the grand final year where the Tigers pumped him in the GF too. Nathan Brown and Kyle Lovett of the Tigers were hit with grade two and grade three contract conduct charges over the big punch up in 2013. Yeah, that was the year that Canberra red hot and the Tigers had Brooks and a really good team and they smashed him in the grand final. Your mate, Mick Mantelli. Mick. The, the behaviour was totally unacceptable. Man is hit and spin. That was the special. Hit and spin, yeah, good. But yeah, Canberra red hot. They had Cornish, Jack O'Hearn. Mantelli said they're a niggly team, the Tigers. They like to go out and get under people's goats. I rang the head of referees and explained a few things. Wow. Yep. You miss him in the paper, old Mick Mantelli. Oh, I said, regardless of how that turned out, the grand final, Canberra didn't turn up. They so got Peter pumped. Pangai was playing. He's playing for and Barnett. Mate, Pangai, Barnett, Mitch Cornish, Jack Ahern, Cheekham, they had a stack side. And mm. Tigers had a handy side as well. But, yeah, they smashed them on grand final, though. There you go. Luke Brooks, Moses, I think, was in that team. Actually, no, it wasn't Moses at that point, I don't think. I think it was Eli Levito, who's played a bit of cup since... Love it, Nathan Brown. Uh, that that a fairly handy side the Tigers as well. But I thought that was going to be a good game. It turned out to be a one way traffic. The Tigers bashed them. Jeez, good fight! Bloody hell! Out of control. Cole Love started it. Yeah, he's mental as well. Yeah, Mitch Moses. Oh. Yeah, Nathan Brown is just going to town. Cole Love it. That's a haircut you could set your watch to. Yeah, Luke Brooks. Yeah, it was a good side. Both had good wow. sides. Canberra was loaded. I think Canberra still had Pat Mago as well. They had Mago and Pengai and Barnett in their forward pack and Cheekham. Barnett's a crazy person. He's just walking around like a crazy person. Yeah, I love Barnett. I called it when we were doing cup. I said to Curtis and the guys I call you, I go, this guy. Nathan Brown has like been restrained by like four or five blokes. Yeah, he was mental at the time. That's why I said, I go, this bloke is a gun, but he's not going to play first grade because he can't. Balen, control- Balen Couples, the guy I went to uni with, he's the, uh, the blue shirt. 
SNC, he's now at the Knights. He's had a oh. high performance. Good fella, Baylor. I just didn't think Brown would ever be able to control his emotions. You look at him now, he's going great guns. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I remember watching that going. He was out of control. Mate, you'll never play another game in your life. No. Nah. They're, leading, they're leading 36-24 with three minutes to go as well. Yeah. He did, he did not care. He wanted to fight. <laughs> oh, hang on. Tavita Pangai started it. Well, that's no surprise. Pushed in the back of the head. Like, sort of landing with his knees. I think you need to watch the game, though, because... Is it Tavita Pangor? Yeah, I think it is Tavita Pangor. There was more it's to 17. it. There was more to it. It just kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the end of it. This is it spilling over, so... Yeah. He, he'd had a few cracks during the game, and I thought he's going to get sent off. He, he was he was involved. Like Mitch Barnett and Nathan Brown are punching the piss out of each other. Yeah, Mark Barnett, that doesn't surprise me. Super. One of the best things I've ever seen, just a quick story before we go, about, again, loose people, and I, I definitely would consider... He's one of the modern guys I would consider... Clint Newton finishing his career playing New South Wales Cup for Newcastle. And a guy I played with who played first grade at Canberra, uh, Clay Priest, who I played Penrith with. He was at Mounties. He's like just a toiler, rough as guts. Barnett's crazy. Those two just took turns at treating Clint Newton as a human fucking tackling bag, hitting him off the ball, hitting him with the ball. At one point, Barnett hit him and he looked up and said why and Barnett was like you shut the fuck up and stood over him just pointed at him I was like wow that's a scary human being he was only like 21 and he was just bashing the shit out of Clint Newton all day Adam G's the referee oh he's just no, they've taken Nathan Brown off the field I reckon Kamali maybe was the coach for Tigers the Tigers yeah maybe I don't know who don't coached know. him that year I don't think he was there at that point when they won or, was it, or who won the grand final Tigers, that's what I said to you. That, yeah, okay. Well, Todd Payton was a coach. Grand final day, they tore him to shreds. Yeah, it was Payton. Yeah, Todd Payton was a coach. Because you looked at those um, two teams now and you're like, that's loaded with NRL players. But Canberra, with a team all year that everyone thought would go red hot, the Tigers had their number during the year. And on grand final day, I thought this would be a really good game and they just ran all over them. Yeah. It was a disappointing Adam, game. Yeah, Adam G. So he's called Nathan Brown's off the field, then he's called Nathan Brown on the field and sent him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tried to sub him. Wow. They tried to do the old sneaky substitute out the back door, but you can't do it. You're going to have to. you got to try it. They tried it. What was the score in that grand final? I swear it was a bloodbath. This isn't a grand final. This is a, a game at Campbelltown Stadium. Um, was it Holden Cup then, or was it Toyota Cup? I think it was Holden Cup by then. Holden Cup, yeah. Under-20s... Oh, not the scores. I'm, I thought they bashed them. In the grand final? Yeah. They had Milford and Cornish, so they've got, like, two NRL halves, Mago, Barnett, Cheekham. and they had a stack side. Season summary. I can't remember the grand final. I, I, I'm pretty sure they just bashed them. It's annoying me. Because I remember thinking this is going to be a great game. Come on, something. <laughs> even I've Googled it and you can't even find it. No, that was Penrith one day. Oh, I was 2012, sorry. The year before they won. So I've got my ears mixed up. They still had a good side. Where is it? 
2012 when we were there, 46-6 was the grand final. That's what I was the one I was thinking of. I was like, this is going to be a great game. They're both stacked, and the Tigers just beat the shit out of them. Well, there you go. Yeah, absolutely pummeled them. In Canberra, from memory, again, like I said, same deal. They had a very handy side. That Milford and Cornish is their starting halves. Cheekam, all those kind of guys, Pangai Junior, Paddy Magos played some first grade. It was a good side. Jack Ahern, who I still think is pretty underrated. And the Tigers, I think Tigers were very good. They had Jacob Miller and Luke Brooks, so you're talking two really good halves. Levito, I think Miller might have moved up and actually played grade that year. He didn't, I don't even think he played for him in the grand final. Levito moved in to play there. But, yeah, love it. Nathan Brown, they, they had a really good side. A lot of guys that went on to play cup or some first grade. Um, yeah. At 46-6, we wasn't going to pick that score when we got there. That's for sure. Oh, no, absolutely not. Oh, well, we've almost gone for two hours. So, again, time flies when you have fun. Yeah, if people didn't like it, they would have turned off. That's right. Would have turned it off. Walk down memory lane. Make sure you've got access to your phone or your computer when you listen to the back end here and you can yeah, there's some good stuff. along and YouTube along with us. Um, wow. Like I said, if you, if you some don't... Some of the things you remember, I can, I can distinctly remember watching that. Uh, blue as well. Yeah. The whole cup blue. Um, at, at, I reckon it was at Dad's place because I would have been still living at home then. And um, yeah, just going, this is crazy, man. It was a Saturday Arvo, I reckon, Saturday night. You won't struggle yeah, to find. I reckon it was probably during origin time as well because it was sort of like a 5 30 kickoff for the 20s. Remember when they used to go. Um, yeah, 20s first grade. Cup, the cup, we used to go the other way, used to go cup. 20s first grade because that was when the 20s had to be before it. Well, the 20s used to so, have three games some weekends. Yeah, so it, it was like three o'clock would be your New South Wales Cup into your 5:30 um, 20s into your 7:30 NRL during the the split round one game Saturdays during Origin. So well, mate, the it crazy... was a good time to sort of get you get some tabs on the 20s kids. The crazy part when I was down there, cut was completely separate. We had a team in Queensland that no one saw or no one knew about, yeah. and we used to play before first grade. It was awesome. Wrong, yeah. wrong. That's that shouldn't. Yeah, but that's what that's how it was. Shouldn't have been that way, but we were treated better than the cup sides were, basically. Yeah, well, I remember that the year I was with twenties um, at the Panthers, and that was the year that Gus said uh, at, at the club and openly said, "Listen." Um, New South Wales Cup are the second team. They'll take precedence. Um, we're going to play their games. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they played um, before first grade, not us. Um, and he, he just wanted to. He, he just wanted to make it known that you know there was that hierarchy. And the centre at um, the the rugby league academy at the Panthers. For those that don't know. Um, there's a there's two gyms in that facility. Yeah, one for the twenties. Um, yeah, I'm not sure whether there, there is now, but when it was first set up, there was there was a gym for the twenties, um, and then a gym for the first grade. And the whole idea was it idea around it was that you earn your way into the first grade gym. You know, the, the philosophy behind you know Gus and, and the the people within their organisation at that point in time was that you too often you just you know, you're around NRL facilities and you get the things that the NRL players get too early. Um, 
and it was sort of there was the BNRL sort of had their field and their end of the facility in the 20s and the New South Wales Cup have their end of the facility and the idea is you want to work your way up into the NRL um, at the NRL end and in the NRL locker room so all good in theory mm. um, but yeah that was sort of the restructuring now I guess the whole game sort of moved that way didn't, didn't it you know, yeah it changed sort of did it at the club land in, that was 2015 yeah. Uh, but look at it now, like the 20s is almost forgotten about. So yeah. I think we've moved too far the other way. We've, it, it was, we've it, discussed that as well, haven't we? It was a good idea. I didn't mind, like, the whole idea. But like we said, it wasn't the next tier. It was good for maybe some outside backs and some halves who could possibly come up physicality-wise. Yeah. But as far as forwards, the graduation rate for forwards was terrible because most of them aren't physically ready. There's your, yeah. there's your rare case where, like, we had Jared Rhea Hargraves in our year. He was a monster. Or Cassiano, who was a monster, like... Unless they were physically exceptional, not many forwards went from 20s to grade. I think there was a 70% graduation rate of halves and outside backs, guys that aren't getting bashed as badly as what the forwards are. So that note is the same thing like you said. A lot of guys were too big for their boots. Um, a lot of guys actually felt way too much pressure at a young age rather than progressing. So it had its, its pros and its cons, but, yeah, that definitely shouldn't have been... They could still run it exactly the same. Yeah, they should. But... They needed to make sure that they had a reserve grade, yeah. which mirrored was the the link, the third team. Yeah. Um, not just the ugly sister who was pushed out to, you know, Windsor or Newtown or Wentworth Hill or you know nothing against those clubs. No. But they were essentially Parramatta teams playing at Wentworth Hill, Penrith teams playing at Windsor, um, you know, Roosters teams or Sharks teams playing at Newtown. Well, our boys. They, they should all be under the same banner. Uh, you know, like during the 90s, 80s and 90s, and you could sit down and watch, you know, the Bulldogs or the Roosters or Penrith play in, um, you know, you'd be able to say, hey, we won three comps today or we won two comps today because all the grand finals were played um, on the same day. I think the flag, the President's Cup, and then the um, reserve grade and NRL were all played on the one day. Yeah. Well, we had... I think, I think it was, flag was 19s, President's Cup was 23s and reserve grade was opens and obviously the NRL opens as well. It was, there was that hierarchy and that level that you worked your way through. We just, we've really lost that within the game. It's sort of like, well, you, you come out of flag and you either move into an NRL squad or you go and then work part-time and, you know, the, the guys that do go into the NRL squad just get that leg up on you in terms of the full-time training and you know, all the other physiological benefits that come with the game now and the extra coaching and sessions and the fact that, you, you know, you're turning up and training fresh to start with um, and not having work during the day. So they're just at a, at a much um, bigger advantage if you're in an NRL squad to those boys that who could probably play NRL if they were given the chance, but they've got to work and they've got to support a family and they've, they've got to train on top of that. And, you know, it just makes things uh, difficult for them to, to get to that top level. Yeah, well, Canberra, when I was there at the time, the cup team was associated with South Logan. So what happened is guys that basically were no chance of playing first grade but were young or out of that gun 20s team, they flew them up there and housed them for the year. They were just basically forgotten about. They basically got emails or a phone call. The only time they came back to Canberra is if they were needed. So we had some guys do the pre-season with first grade that we never saw again. They just flew them up there for the rest of the year and six or seven of them about 10 weeks in, I had two mates that I was mates with in my team, their brothers or friends were up there because they played that 20s grand final the year before I got there. They were miserable because <laughs> yeah, they were just... I can tell you now, you know, like uh, Jerome Lewine, Nathan Cleary, spent 
four, five, six weeks out at Windsor, forgotten about, couldn't crack 20s. Um, Kate Ellis, Corey Waddell were another two blokes who... Uh, Braden Burns is another one who spent a lot of time out at Windsor, not with a 20 squad. Uh, Malachi with Teen Zalesniak, uh, who's then gone on, was playing Ron Massey Cup out at Windsor. Um, and it is hard for these boys, man. Like, if you would have said now to back then to Malachi, look, mate, in two or three years you're going to be playing in our early, would have laughed at you. Like I said, I mean, um, Tommy Eisenhurst, another one who's at Melbourne, he was, he was there at Penrith, toiling away with Garth Brennan in the New South Wales Cup, couldn't get a run. You know, was playing the majority of his footy out at Windsor and now is playing um, for the most successful organisation in the past, you know, 20 years under under what, you know, many consider the best coach and, and playing with the best player to ever play the game. Yeah, it was crazy at the time to think about it because they were literally guys that were contracted to our first grade squad, but if they were no chance, it was just you move to Queensland until we need you, we don't call you. Yeah. They got a little bit of feedback. They got minimal exposure. They got no love. They weren't involved with any of the stuff. Like we were directly linked with everything first grade did, and all those first graders that were not playing were just some of them never played a game. Just sat up there all year in Queensland. Yeah, well. So they move away from their families or their misses or whatever, or some of them had to relocate, and they weren't happy about it. It was a very weird circumstance. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I suppose we should wrap it up, mate. We'll wrap it up, mate. We'll finish off with our sponsor, Penrith Solar Centre. Massive thank you to them, as always, for being on board with the show. Um, I know it's a different time for a lot of people now, money-wise, but again, in the lead-up to summer, if things settle down and that's something you're looking into, I'll tell you what, it'll save you some money. So remember, don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest-quality solar energy experience. When it comes to tackling your bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in costs. Call 1800 20 29 or visit them today on www.penrosola.com.au for more. Good times. There you go. Another one in the bag. We'll see what happens over the next seven days, Brock. As we said, we take things day by day with what's going on with the NRL. Hopefully we have a better idea with the TV deal and the situation there and hopefully everything keeps progressing in the right direction and we get a better outlook in the next week or two as to what the schedule and the possible competition will look like and teams get back to training on that date they're looking at, which is around May 4th or 5th. Yeah. Uh, What about TV shows, movies? Um, The new Michael Jordan documentary has been released. I don't understand why it's on Netflix out here. It's an ESPN docker. Yeah, but... ESPN bought the rights, I think they said live in the US, but international distribution, Netflix brought it, so we're technically not in the US. Right. So I think okay. that, I think they've paid two separate amounts of money for different streaming rights. Okay, cool. So that's on the first two episodes of that have been released. I started to watch the first today, but um, having the two bubs at home and all the craziness, I, I want to be able to sit down and just watch it all the way through. So I shit canned it. Um, the Walking Dead yeah, what about The Walking Dead? They've gone 15 episodes through this season and then now they've stopped and said, like, there's one episode to go in this season and they've just said, no, nah, sorry, it hasn't been produced or we're still going to work on it or whatever, so um, we don't know when the finale's going to be on. Fucked. Fucking great. Wow. I would rather, I would rather have paused it maybe with three or four to go so you could... It's just going to be hard now. You're going to have to re-watch a few episodes. Not, not hard. Like, it's not nothing to complain about, but I just found it strange that they stopped it with the finale and then they're going to have the finale and then that'll be a finale for a finale I guess so um, 
Did you watch any? I watched that um, uh, Ryan Reynolds movie, Six Underground. Have you seen that? Nah. On Netflix, that was bad. And we started to watch Ozarks. Do you watch that? With, no. Um, what's his name? Josh Bateman? Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Josh Bateman. Um, yeah. So watch the first episode of that. Pretty heavy. I, mean, so. I watched Sunderland Till I Die the whole way through, which was interesting, but yeah. it kind of frustrated me a little bit because it was just very negative near the end. Not, not like, I mean, in the way it was made, but I just felt bad for them. The fans and that city, they, they seem like real working class heart. You give, give, give to the club. Oh, <laughs> the, the, the amount of heartbreak and players just not doing the job and just shit going on. I, every time I watched it, I was like, man, they're, they're, they're just crushed. Like their whole week, their whole life revolves around the club. And they get relegated back to back years. They're just devastated. That's, uh, that's, that's hard, man. For a good laugh, if you want to watch a good laugh, but a true story. I watched Screwball, which someone told me to watch. Uh, it's a documentary about some of the drug juicing in baseball and the whole story about how that all happened and a guy down in Miami. and just It was a fucking crazy story, but it's true. That was hilarious. So it's, cool. it's, it's good. I've got two on my list, right? Robert De Niro, Taxi Driver. That's old school. They reckon it's old, right? But they, it's apparently really, really good movie. Um, and the other one is Life. Martin Lawrence. Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen Life. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I've, never seen, I've never seen Life. So I've seen Life. Talk. I haven't seen Taxi Driver, but I'm pretty sure that's the one where it's like black and white and he does the whole mirror thing. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Oh, okay. I think that's that, that's that movie, I think. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to watch it and I'll report back next week. Fair enough. There you go. Anyway, we're just giving. We give, give, give to the club. Well, hopefully people enjoy the loose third, eh? I thought that was pretty good chat. That was good. Yeah, time. and also, um, there's a surprise. I know it's broadcast out now. Have you seen that? Nah. I'll, um, I'll tag you in that. I love the surprise. Yeah, so good. So I'm re-watching it at the moment, doing the exercise challenge, so... Got to do 30 minutes of exercise or, well, some sort of cardio every day and watch one episode of The Sopranos. So there's 86 episodes. I think I'm... What's, what's the date today? 21st? 21st. Yeah, so I'm 21 episodes in and I've exercised for 21 days straight. So I'm going all right. I'm, I'm a quarter of the way there, near enough to. So. You're doing better than me. Yeah. Well, it's easy at the moment, isn't it? You've got... Well, I can just go... The, the kids go to bed at about lunchtime, both... Bubs go down, so my wife jumps on the bike for. She's got ten minutes in her, which is great. So I yeah, get it warm for me, and then I um, either go for a run for a half hour, do a five k, or I um, jump on the bike and punish myself for you know, between twenty and I think forty five minutes is probably the longest I've gone on the bike. So um, watching the Sopranos, what a great show! If you haven't watched the Sopranos, Jesus, now's your now's your perfect time to binge watch it. It is good. Um, it's on. It's on Fox. You can get it on demand. Just watch the shit out of that show. There's so many things in that that show that you forget. That I'm just watching now, and it's it's just like watching it again for the first time because there's there's so much in it. Um, Richie Aprile's just turned up. Oh, classic. He is uh, an angry fucking man, Richie Aprile. Oh. He's just trying to fight everyone, disrespecting everyone. So it's good. He's just run over Beans, you know. He, he, he hits Beans in the car, and then they're arguing about who should pay for the rent because yeah. Beans is now <laughs> 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 you know, Beans is now crippled. So. All I remember about that show, like I said, it's a great show, but it just changes. One episode's funny, one's sad, one's like extremely violent. The, the way I'd yeah. explain it is, it's well layered, but you've got to pay attention because there's a lot to take yeah. in. 
There's a lot of storylines. There's a lot of people's psychology. Stuff, like how they talk about quadriplegics and people in wheelchairs. And it's just like it just takes you back to how people spoke like in the early 2000s. Like it's just not politically correct at all. A lot of it freaks you out. You look at the phones yeah, and the technology. A lot of it, you're yeah. like, wow, this is old, but it's good. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's good awesome, show. awesome, awesome show. Really enjoying rewatching it. It's cracker. Having the time. So. All right, friend. All right, everybody out there. I've posted up the last few days a couple of just things to give people something to talk about, and they've kind of blown up. People enjoyed the loose units today, and the day before was the player that made them fall in love with the game or their club. There was a lot of people right on that. So keep trying to come up with a few bits and pieces just to give something to talk about and other people to talk to during this time. And hopefully, as we said, the next week or two, we get some more positive news and take more steps towards seeing some football. For now, everybody out there, stay safe, enjoy your week, look out for each other, and uh, fingers crossed again. Soon we'll have some rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.